We'll be live momentarily. In fact, we are live. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. That's right. Oh, I forgot my music. <laughs> I'm having a good time. I don't care if we do have the worst football team in the National Football League. Why am I having a good time? Because I'm here with my buddies Dan Aguirre and Johnny Santucci, who will be joining us later. We're going to have fun tonight. We're going to complain about those bears, but we're also going to look at some of the great things that have happened yesterday. I mean, Akeem Hicks, Dan, he was unbelievable. He almost made me cry with his post-game comments. I'm going to miss him so much. I hope that the Bears can find some kind of an agreement to bring him back for another couple of years, even if he does just play seven or eight games. The guy is one of my favorite all-time Bears. By the way, Dan, how are you, brother? I'm okay. I'm at work until 4 p.m. tomorrow, so 
Uh, this discussion hopefully will be, you know, solace for me and help me get over the atrocity that we witnessed last night on the field. With regards to Akeem Hicks, mm -hmm. I, I hope that he could somehow find a way to bring it like that. Maybe not every game, but at least every other game. You know, uh, when he was when he was going right. I mean, Ed Obradovich always says that Khalil Mack was extremely overrated in 2018, that Akeem Hicks is the one who deserved all the credit on the 18 team. And that's coming from Ed. So mm -hmm. uh, he's a monster, man. And we're reminded how good he can be. But it's like he, since 2019, he's always hurt. Uh, and I hate to say that, um, but Hopefully, I'm like you. I've got his jersey, and I hope that I can wear it next year without it being obsolete. Yep, I hear you. And, I, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about for a couple of years now is that I think that the uh, the NFL should move to a 10-day schedule, a game every 10, 11, 12 days. That way it gives players an opportunity to refresh themselves, to have stronger legs. Part of the reason Akeem Hicks played so ferociously yesterday was because his legs were fresh. He was rejuvenated from that extra rest. And unfortunately, adding another thought to that, is I think we're headed to the days of load management in the National Football League, which is something that I hate. You don't want to pay two, $300 for a ticket to a football game, and one of the star players on defense is taking the week off because of load management. But if they're going to, the NFL is going to continue to expand that schedule at 17 regular season games now, it probably will be 18 next season or, or at the very least, uh, the, the following season, 2023. You're going to have to, these players, it's just physically impossible to get through a 17, 18 game season without having guys go down, significant player injuries. So, you know, Akeem Hicks, I think one of the reasons he played so well yesterday, had one of his best games of his career was because he had, you know, missed the last two, three games and was fresh. I, I will tell you with comments uh, specifically directed toward what you mentioned about the extra games. And maybe this is because we, we are losing so terribly. We've lost eight of the last nine games. But. Man, this has been a long season. I, mean, I know it's just one extra game, <laughs> You're right. but it has been a long season, like to the point where I'm, last night when the game was over, I was thinking, God damn, there's three more of these. <laughs> like how much more? I mean, I tweeted at the Bears, like how much more do we have to see before you just put him out of his misery? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, he, he's got to go. I mean, uh, think about this, and I know we'll talk about Seattle later because that's the next opponent. Mm -hmm. But the last time that we went to Seattle, Jimmy Clausen started. Mm -hmm. Have the Bears, and if you bookend that from the last Seattle trip to now, have the Bears gotten better? <laughs> or is it just the same old shit, you know, like with John Fox and Jimmy Clay? And you think, oh, this has got to be the low water mark of the franchise. And I don't know, man. It feels like right now is the lowest point I've ever been as a Bears fan. And I know we live in now. Mm -hmm. We live in the moment, so it's it's easy to, to feel that way. But I'm a history guy. And other than that 3-13 and 13, 2016 season, this may be the worst season I've ever, ever been a part of. And ironically, I've gone to three games. Yeah, you have, so, right. And one – We've lost eight of nine.
eight of nine games. If you think about it, we were close to beating the Packers in week six, mm-hmm. and we would have been four and two. We're four and ten. Four and ten. Think about that. I, I, I mentioned on air, not to talk on my own cock, but when Rogers said he owned us, and oh God, I had to hear about it all day Sunday at work watching that Packers game with a fucking Green Bay fan, which was horrible. Uh, when they beat Baltimore, I had to listen to her shit for three hours. Well, you need to explain that to people. Uh, oh, God. Go ahead, Dan. Uh, Well, I was well, – let me finish the original point was that I said at the time, I was like, either this galvanizes the Bears and they go on a streak or they just – the season goes down the tubes. But I never knew it would be like eight of nine. But, yeah, so I, was, I, I took an overtime shift on Sunday. And, you know, football's on, so we, we turned the TV on, and locally uh, they had Green Bay and Baltimore on. Uh, I think most uh, markets had that game on for the late game on Fox. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting beside a Rodgers fan who just kept saying, it's like she had no concept of who Rodgers or Green Bay was before this season either. Mm. So she just kept repeating anecdotes from the 2021 season about, oh, he owns you and all this kind of shit. and. Just listening to this woman for three hours. I mean, it was, and then to watch Baltimore go for two for absolutely no reason. You say, oh, they're going for the win. Are they? There's like 50 seconds left in the game. Mm -hmm. If they go for two, Rodgers still has the wherewithal to lead them down for a field goal and win it. That was just a horrible play call. And I had to hear her like cheer and just, it, it made, it made me that much more miserable about everything else. So this is a, a a new person uh, that you work with who you learned is a Green Bay Packer fan, and she was not shy about She's expressing She's a fucking her- bandwagon fan. There are no Green Bay Packers fans. <laughs> Boy, you watch. That, you watch. Bad mood. When, you watch. When Rodgers, if Rodgers is gone next year, see, that's the thing. At least us as Bear fans, we're Bears fans. We're here. We're here with Matt Nagy and four and ten, and we're fucking here. Mm-hmm. You think those Packers fans would be there with Jordan Love at four and ten? Get mm-hmm. the fuck out of here. They'd be they'd be like in New England or Kansas City or whomever else. They wouldn't be a Packers fan. They wouldn't be. Maybe the people in Wisconsin and Green Bay would be, but nobody else. My good friend Stephen Nagishi, uh, co-host of the Double A team here on the Barroom Network, and a man whose opinion I value highly. I have to disagree with him here because I am Mr. Positive tonight. Steven says the Bears are both terrible and boring. They have no entertainment value. Yes, it seems that way on the surface. But if you look closely at yesterday's game, you see the story of a warrior named Akeem Hicks. You see the story of four or five defensive backs who were considered to be nobodies, who everyone thought Justin Jefferson, including myself, was going to put up 200, 250 yards on them and multiple touchdowns. Yet they came to play with a ferocity and an energy and a positiveness that inspired me. You've got to look closely at these wonderful stories that are going on with the Chicago Bears. Yes, it's a mess. Yes, it's one of the most demoralizing seasons of all time. But what do you do when that is happening? You look, you dig in, you dig and dig and dig, and you find the good stuff. And there's plenty of good stuff. There's plenty of good stuff. In fact, 
I'm going to do this right now. I'm not going to do the whole segment. I'm going to do just one. Throughout the show, I'm going to present presents to the Chicago Bears, to some of the Chicago Bears players. Like, for instance, the first present, a present I want to hand out is to Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson is a guy who could be a fantastic football player and reclaim his ascension to one of the best defensive backs in Chicago Bears history. All he needs is to use the Christmas gift that I'm going to send them, and that is the S-Pop-Up Tackler Machine for Eddie Jackson. It's used by high schools throughout the nation. It's a, it's a device that's going to help you tackle, and for Eddie Jackson, that's what I'm getting you for Christmas is the S-Pop-Up Tackler. What do you think, Dan? A good present for our, our man, Eddie Jackson? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely is, and I still i am salty over the flag on Deion Bush uh, last night when he had a great effort, it was going for the ball. They throw the flag. Of course they throw the flag. And of course, NFL officiating tweeted that it was the right call, which is bullshit. They also said it was the right call, the taunting call in Pittsburgh. I mean, come on, man. Admit when you're wrong sometimes. They also tried to say the Zach Miller play in New Orleans. When he broke his leg, wasn't a catch, too. Mm-hmm. That you, was the right call. Did you find anything positive from that game last night, Dan? Oh, yeah. The the Like you said, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just complaining. I'm sticking up for Deion Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, great tackle. And like everyone else has pointed out, uh, Graham had a tremendous game. And I thought that he had a, a tackle really early on. It may have been the first series of the game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, what a good fucking hit that was. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, as the game went on, he was sort of a star other than Hicks mm-hmm. on uh, defense. But everyone else has, uh, you know, shared that viewpoint. I don't want to make it seem like it's some earth-shattering thought. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Graham looked great. Uh, Bush, you know, uh, at least was physical. Like you said, Eddie Jackson just is never physical. All those guys, I don't even know the the one guy's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's Who were the other two starters last night? Uh, Car- uh Vildor, but what was the other one? Uh, Vildor, Crawford, Thomas Graham, uh, Deion Bush, and um, the uh, last one uh, I'm drawing a blank on, but I can find out very yeah, quickly. That guy was was bringing some hits too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I said, the they they the, the secondary last night looked physical. Christian for the first Marquise time Christian. all season. Yeah. Marquise Christian. No, 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 no. There was somebody else. Uh, Maybe it was oh, uh, uh, D Virgin. <laughs> D Virgin. There was a guy on the field yesterday named D Virgin. He got three tackles. Is that who you're talking about? Number thirty. No, if you said his name, I would know it. I don't think that's it. <laughs> everybody but, missed. Everybody missed the Virgin on the field. <laughs> a guy named D Virgin. AC, AC Green's on the field. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that story? AC Green was, yes. all, was on the Showtime Lakers and was like, fuck it, I don't want any pussy. That's right. But it turns out he made the right decision because Magic may have got – never mind. But, uh, <laughs> I don't want to touch that. But going back to the game, yeah, the, the, the defensive effort overall was inspiring because you're down so many players, whether it be from injury or from COVID, and you're expected just to get run over. And they have one of their best efforts of the entire season. Mm-hmm. And Robert Quinn continues to be the mighty Quinn, as I try to uh, try to make that nickname stick. Yeah. I mean, Quinn has been better this season than Mac at any point in his four years with the Bears. Yep. I'm totally, totally with you on that. 
And he may get Richard Dent's single-season sack record. He will get it. With three games left, all he needs is a sack and a half to tie and two to, two to beat him. I I believe he will. I believe he will. Hey, um, let's um, let's play – excuse me. Let's play the Akeem Hicks post-game news conference, post-game press conference. Um, because it, again, it's so inspiring, and and then I, we'll talk about that, and then we'll go to the media clips. How's that, Dan? You're the producer. All right. So Akeem Hicks uh, talked for about nine minutes with the media after yesterday's game. I whittled it down to four minutes. This is my hero, one of my favorite Bears of all time. One of the guys that, whenever he leaves, whether it's in uh, in three weeks or. Or three years, I'm going to miss his ass tremendously because he he plays with tremendous heart. He's a fierce competitor. He's a leader in the on the locker room and on the field. And uh, it was an emotional game for him. This is Akeem Hicks. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that I got games to play. And um, if I do end up leaving, I'll miss it here. I truly love my time. How do you feel after a game like that? Obviously, you played pretty well. The defense, with so many guys out, plays great. But then, again, in the end, it's not enough to get you guys the victory. I think that I was really impressed by how our defense played. I think that we gave up some stuff. Like Sean said it when we came in the locker room, you know, we gave up an early touchdown. We did some things that we didn't want to do. But to watch how hungry and, and, and ferocious those young guys wanted to play today, that, that turned me, I almost said turned me on, got me excited. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 but it's exciting, you know what I mean? When you're watching your boys play, especially young guys that haven't really been around the game as much or or haven't got the league experience, they're just so hungry to make a play. It's like, good stuff, young man. You need a cigarette after that. Two. <laughs> Big fella. Okay, okay, when you're talking about the emotion that you're going through, thinking about that this could be the end with you and the Bears, how, how does that sit with you? I mean, especially knowing the, the last three seasons haven't gone very well. So sad, so sad, because I do anything for him. But that's the way it goes. Do you feel like you've put yourself into that lexicon of conversation in terms of, you know, great bear defenders and the tradition of defense here in Chicago? I wonder. I wonder. Um, I'll say this. Whenever I talk to the guys that came before me, um, just for them to say that they appreciate my game is enough for me because that's what you're looking to impress. They played it. They lived it, you know. Um, talking to those guys, Tommy Harris, Dan Hampton, you know, it's exciting for them to even watch me play, you know, so I'm happy. I just, I've, I've grown as a man here, you know, when I was in New Orleans, I was a young man and I was figuring out the world, you know, as I, I think I was about 25 when I got here. And, you know, it's just everybody in here has been to that point, I know. Um, but uh, you get, <clears throat> hopefully wisdom comes, you know, wisdom coming through experience. So I, I think that the period that I was here in my life and career, you know, will stick with me for a long time. You had the, uh, the first sack. You celebrated it so exuberantly. Was some of that emotion coming through in that moment for you? I was pointing to the people that cheer for me, you know, the people that love me, the people that love how I play the game, you know. I was pointing to them. Let them know I appreciate them for my time. You know, they're always yelling my name. I want to show them some love back. Situation with Matt Nagy, where things have gotten so bad record-wise, where it it looks likely that he's going to get fired at the end of the season. What do you think of your time playing for him? I don't want to answer that right now. I'll answer that at the end of the season. I've watched Robert Quinn 
since back in the day when the Rams were actually in St. Louis, yeah? And I just remember how he was just coming off the edge continuously. Like, and there was nothing that anybody could do to slow him down. And that, at that time, they also had Chris Long. And so both sides were just boom. Um, so I've been a fan of his for a long time. And I even tell him that. You've got to give your guy his flowers while he's here. I tell him that. And um, he's so modest, he can't appreciate how dominant he is. And um, I don't know if that's just the best quality in the world. Obviously, I talk too much. But... Uh, He's so great, and then he doesn't talk about it. It's just the wildest thing in the world. So uh, good stuff, Q. Love you. Speaking of Roquan Smith, it was announced that he did not make the Pro Bowl again this year. What? Yeah. After the season Roquan had, how do you how do you feel? What is your reaction to him not making the Pro Bowl? I didn't. I, well, I didn't know. It happened today, I guess. Uh, ugh. I don't know. I got snuffed a couple times, so I understand the feeling. You know, he'll bounce back from it. The guys in the locker room respect his play. His play is respected around the league, whether they put his name on the paper or not. Even though it's a great accolade to have, I still cherish my time. Um, he'll be fine. People understand how good he is. Isn't he like second in tackles in the league or first? He was fourth. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's still really good. Take it easy, guys. Isn't that a great guy, Dan? Yeah, and I, re- I always remember when he first got here, he said part of the reason he wanted to come to Chicago was that his mom was a lifelong Bears fan. Mm-hmm. His mom was from the city. So he wanted to impress his mom by being a Chicago Bear. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I like this guy. You know, I haven't even seen him play yet, and I like this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only thing um, I wish if he were, if he is leaving, I wish he and Tom Waddle would. You know, I wish you'd give Waddle a break and, and go on their show and, and, and hug up and, you know, shake hands, whatever, uh, because he was so offended from Tommy when he was just joking. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I believe that that's probably one of the things he'll do um, Yeah, he's because he, he's such a, a, a straight up guy. You know, one of the sad things about the season, if it if it is his last season, is that. You and I together, I know you've seen him live now three times. Did he play in that Steelers game when, when you went to it? No. Okay, so you and I saw him play in two games, and the the first one that we witnessed was the one at Cleveland, and we saw him laboring. He he was he would walk off the field clearly in pain, um, and it was just you know we were watching that kind of fallen warrior uh, coming home from battle and stuff, and we were seated seated right behind the Bears bench, so we got really good looks at him. Uh, walking towards the bench in, in clear pain. And then in the second game, the following week, we saw him against the Lions. And on the very first play, you know, he, he walks off the field and he, he couldn't go anymore. And it's it's emblematic, I think, of the tough season that he has. But I'm so happy for him that he came back yesterday. And despite the loss, it is what it is. You know, it doesn't matter how many more games we win. You know, it's good to try to get a winning culture in here. But you know, when you can't have that, at least you look at those small victories. And Akeem Hicks is, for me, going to be one of the big victories uh, of this season and his entire career. I just love the guy. I really, really love the guy. And uh, I, I hope, in fact, I have a Christmas present for him. <laughs> my little gag here. My my Christmas present for Akeem Hicks is a full Puerto Rican meal 
with pasteles, with cuchifrito, with empanadas, with papa de majadas, the whole thing, man. Just a feast for a giant man. And, and all this food that I got up on the screen, that's all for him. Him to eat by himself because I know he's got a hearty appetite. So, Keem Hicks, come on the show and collect your, <laughs> your Christmas present. Um, all right. I want to uh, continue on. Wait a minute. Where's my little Christmas graphic? I got a really cool Christmas graphic of you up, uh, Dan, with you wearing a Christmas hat. So uh, head over to YouTube to see how good looking you look. Hey, what if, if I had told you in week four when we were at the game, mm -hmm. the Bears may not win another home game all year. <laughs> You'd probably be like, ah, oh, bullshit. Come on. No. I haven't won a game at home since then. Yeah, I would not have said that. I would have said, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't bet against that. And I'm on record as of two weeks ago saying I don't think the Bears will win another game this season. I, and you don't I think don't. they'll beat the Giants? Nope. We better beat the Giants. Nope. I think that's going to be Mike Lennon's revenge game on Ryan Pace. I really do. I really do. Now, they might start somebody else. I heard word that they're thinking of starting uh, – I don't know who it is, uh, Joe Blow, uh, and uh, because Glennon really had a terrible game last week. He was throwing the ball to the wrong player. Jake Frum, which would be an interesting story, Jake Frum versus Justin Fields. Thanks, uh, Tooch, for that. Um, so that would be fascinating to see in its own right. Uh, <laughs> could you imagine if Jake Frum beats Justin Fields? Then people who are saying Fields is a is a is a bust of a draft pick. I mean that will be amplified a million times if Jake Frum it's beats. It's picking up steam. I mean, uh, you and I both lamented last night. Mm -hmm. You know, early on, I'm like, dude, Fields is killing us right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, he ended up statistically having a decent game because of the passing at the end. Yeah. But if you'd have told me, fuck, they're putting Foles in at the half, I wouldn't have been like terribly mad because I thought, well, fuck, the objective is to win the game. It's not like you're going to get your draft pick. You know, if you if you, if you you tank, the Giants get the better pick, not us, because of the Fields trade. So you might as well just win. Is, is the objective to win the game at this point or to give Justin Fields the reps and the experience so that he can springboard his 2022 season with more and more snaps and 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 uh, experiences under pressure, you know, I, trying to win. But in the from Nagy and and Pace's objective, they probably every win counts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially if you're. I mean, maybe Pace is safer than Nagy if you believe all the reports that he's going to move up in the organization to a different role and things like that. Mm -hmm. But if you're Matt Nagy, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, speaking of Matt Nagy, real quick. Uh, you want to be positive. Mm -hmm. uh, to finish my thought initially, I was going to say that if you're Matt Nagy, you, you want as many wins as you can. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I was hearing people critical of last night that I took somewhat exception to, mm -hmm. and I think you did as well, I had people like criticizing Nagy for the penalty and stuff. Like mm -hmm. the One of the things we both said that he seemed a little too docile and was too friendly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, his ass is on the line, and he's emotional out there, and, you know, they're calling bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, they're calling the terrible calls repeatedly. And so he told them, fuck, he's like, man, you're costing my fucking livelihood. <laughs> Quit throwing bullshit flags. Yep. Are you fucking cheating? Like, are you betting on Minnesota? Like, what are you doing? And I heard so many people say he made a fool of himself and that he was a disgrace to the organization, and I just didn't see it that way. 
between that and the Tevin Jenkins defending Justin Fields, you have two different camps on both sides of those things. Dan, when I was putting together the media reports, show after show after show was really on Nagy. You'll hear some of it. Uh, for losing his cool and they're saying that you know that bled over to the players and they lost their lack of discipline and so forth and maybe there's a little bit of truth to that because sometimes when players l- will look to the sideline and they say man our, our coach has lost his cool he's so fuck it i'll lose my cool too you know yeah but was javon william javon Williams or anthony miller looking at matt nagy being chill on the sidelines exactly, when they were throwing punches exactly exactly I, t- I totally agree but you know I do, I do have to say this. I would rather him show some of that fire to some of his players than to, you know, to an official. Although, I, again, I don't blame him, you know, for what he did last night. But that fire, I would have loved to have seen him turn on that fire. Uh, to, Three years ago. Yeah, exactly. To Javon Wims. Uh, to yeah, like I would have told the bird, bird after last night, fumbled on the punt return, a big drop. Hey. You don't have a gig tomorrow. You're gone. Right. You're out of here. Mike Ditka cut Tom Waddle like 12 times, and Waddle didn't even have a drop. Right. <laughs> you know, like, right. He, he's like, we know you got good hands, but, kid, you're still on the practice squad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Eddie Jackson, miss a tackle, come over to the sideline. There's Matt Nagy waiting for you with that same fire that he had towards that official. He should, he should uh, give some of that to Eddie Jackson. And say, listen, that's not fucking acceptable on this team. I know you want turnovers, but you got to tackle first. And if you don't tackle first, you're gonna sit over there on the fucking bench along the water, alongside the water boy. And if you don't like being booed, then fucking tackle. That's what I would like to hear from Matt Nagy towards some of the players who are disappointing us to the nth degree. So I think that Nagy, what Ed Obranovich says about Nagy, is so true. And about how he wants to be everybody's friend and stuff. And, you know, he's he wants to show everybody respect, and that's cool, but he does want all the players to like him. Mm-hmm. And I think if we were talking to Matt Nagy on the show three years from now, and hopefully for his, for his family's sake that he lands a gig somewhere and that he succeeds, mm-hmm. unless he goes to Green Bay, Detroit, or Minnesota, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to root against him. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't want him here. But I think if we were talking to him, I think he would say what you just said, man, I should have used that emotion early on. Mm-hmm. If I would have, you know, told Eddie Jackson, like, we're tired of your repeated misses and been more fiery instead of being composed all the time and, you know, be you, which meant, I guess, you're a robot the way he tried to make Trubisky a robot mm-hmm. and just have the same canned responses. But if he'd have been a little a little bit more like Ditka mm-hmm. and held people accountable, then maybe his run would have been completely different. Bear Truth 9 says, watching that secondary play showed how complacent our starters are. Nagy's culture of complacency runs so deep with our team. I think there's a lot of truth. Bare truth is speaking the truth there. You're Fucking right. right. Yep. That's that's the, the comment of the night, the comment of the year. Yeah, it, it is true. I mean I, I really and I and I think in one of the clips that I selected from the media, I think they they talked about that as well. It it is sad that um you know Matt Nagy might end up being a good coach or may have ended up being a good coach if he was hired 10 years from now. He clearly was not ready for the job. 
he clearly, you know, he, as an offensive play caller, he never really proved himself at Kansas City. I mean, he 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 finished his career calling plays at Kansas City with a huge dud that cost cost them a, a playoff uh, win. His uh, six games, six regular season games, that's not enough to say this guy is capable of being a head coach and a play caller. And, uh, you know, it was also evident that he is not as strong as a leader of men as you want. It's very, very challenging to be a leader in any organization. But one of the most unique occupations as for a leader is pro football because you're dealing with men who are fucking ferocious, who sometimes these guys who are twice your size need a kick in the ass, who sometimes, despite all that testosterone, sometimes you look at a particular player who doesn't need a kick in the ass, but needs a, 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 your arm around them, who you've got you know, 53 different guys with different personalities that you got to figure out how to best communicate with. It's a very, very difficult job. And Matt Nagy clearly just doesn't know how to do it. And when you look back at that magical 2018 season, I, I think this was a comment from uh, Bear Truth or somebody in the chat room a day or two ago or whenever it was. That 2018 season, that was like um, uh, Vic Fangio. That was Vic Fangio playing Buddy Ryan. That's what that was about. There was no great success with the offense that year. Yeah, I know people are saying, yeah, but look at all the points. They led the league in, in scoring and so forth. They had half the field. The offense did. You look at total well, this yards. this year's team wouldn't score. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, unfortunately for Matt Nagy, he's, he just was hired at the wrong time and the wrong place, and that goes on Ryan Pace. Jay Rock says Ryan Pace got caught up in the hype of Matt Nagy and Mitch. I agree with that, J-Rock. Totally, totally agree with that. Hey, two quick points, please, before you go to the uh, the piece. You got it. Um, with regards to the complacency, maybe this is just my opinion. Maybe I'm a meathead, whatever. The the play in the end zone earlier in – I can't remember what quarter it was in. It seems like it was earlier where Fields took a shot and he overthrew Mooney. Yes, it looked like to me that Mooney wasn't running full speed at all. Uh, that's funny. That's going to be in one of the media clips. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know. The only no, show I, know I you listened didn't know. to was yeah. uh, Hampton last night. No, I, I know you didn't know. <laughs> and Hampton said that, and this was kind of a, a, a shot at Jalen Johnson, mm -hmm. who does talk an awful fucking lot, by the way, mm -hmm. and saying that half the team's tanking and all that shit and the, when he got fined and all that. But Dan Hampton said that, in his opinion, in his assessment, the uh, the Graham played the best game in the secondary during the, the last two years, for sure, for anybody, including Jalen Johnson. And the fact that this guy was on the practice squad just shows you, again, that Nagy and Pace don't know what they're doing. That he's like All year long, we've had problems in the secondary, and this guy's been available all year, and he was your draft pick. And he can't get an opportunity? And he comes out with the game of his life last mm -hmm. night, you know. But it was ironic that he said, like, he had a better game than uh, everyone loves Jalen Johnson for some reason. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was like, you know, Graham, his game last night was better than anything Jalen Johnson's done his, during his two years. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a problem with Jalen Johnson speaking his mind. I think that, um, you know, 
I, I think guys like even Justin Fields are starting to share some of their discord with Matt Nagy and, and, and some of the coaching staff. I mean, he took a shot at Matt Nagy yesterday when he said, you know, maybe we need to have hold more people accountable. You know, uh, players who jump off sides or stuff like that, you know, should run laps. Matt Nagy was asked about that, and I didn't include that in any of his sound bites that I'll, I'll share later. But because he just talked in, in circles, but there's a lot of players who are just starting to share, you know, their feelings about Matt Nagy. And most of the players like him because he, Matt Nagy is a nice guy, but they also uh, are more and more of them are starting to see, yeah, this guy isn't, you know, the best guy for the job. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Akeem Hicks says at the end of the season when he, he told the reporter. Yep, that out, was classy by Akeem to not answer. Yep, yet. it was. It was very, very classy. Um, all right. Uh, are you ready for this, Amigo? I am. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I haven't heard any of it except for WGN last night. That's all I listened to. Uh, and then today I was just desperately trying to sleep considering I work so much going into Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Now, again, this is... Uh, most of it is local media reaction. I do have one or two video clips from the national media, but for the most part, it's local media. Everything is labeled, and it's about 27 minutes long, so we'll have plenty to talk about when this is over. I will roll it now. Half of the Chicago Bears organization who has not authorized me to do this, and neither has Hamp and or B and or, and, and or Kaz, but I would just like to apologize uh, to all Bears fans everywhere for putting you through whatever that was tonight. Woo. That was an all-night trip to the dentist. The most undisciplined, poorly executed, completely off the rails, bizarre play-calling performance. And, uh, I mean, my, I, I don't know if this is rock bottom for Matt Nagy, but pretty, pretty, I think we have... He's we, out of control. I mean, out we of saw control, him on right? the sidelines. We saw what the team was, you know, uh, doing on the field. I mean, think about this, folks. All night long, and you know, Riddick did a good job late in the game of basically, in summation, saying that the Bears gave a great effort on defense. I mean, they they, they got after their butts, and you know, Akeem Hicks was the best player on the field. Him and and Thomas Graham, the kid we'd never heard of, who's better than anybody we got in our secondary right now. I'm telling you. He needs, he should have been playing and for Deshae Townsend, the defensive back coach, to never even proffer him or recommend him for some playing time is, that's borderline nuts. But I'll tell you this. You talk about the mistakes. You talk about the penalties, which there were nine of, including four personal fouls, one by your hero, Matt Nagy, which was out of control. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we had four turnovers. We had six trips inside the 30 where we got zero. That's right. Six trips inside their 30, and we come away with zero, OB. We had two turnovers. We had a missed field goal. We had three turnovers on downs. And you count those as turnovers because, you're, I mean, it's just like giving them the ball. At the end of the day, this shows you the chronic problem we have with one staff headed by Matt Nagy. By the way, for all the gamblers out there, I don't know how they can keep the Bears from kicking the extra point. I'm just telling you, you I mean, that's that's out of control. In overtime, there is no extra point. In the regular 60-minute regulation game, 
you have the right to kick the extra point. Think about this. If it was, if we had 10 points and we score on the last play of the game, we get to kick the extra point. Why didn't they let them? That's an, somebody needs to look into that. Oh, I can tell you why, Dan. The referees were fed up. 60,000 people were fed up and everybody wanted to get the hell out of Soldier Field. That's why. You're right. Hard to watch, harder to endure, I imagine, for the people that were there. Look, if you hold the Minnesota Vikings, to 17 points and fewer than 200 yards, you've got to feel like you're going to win that football game in December in Chicago. You should not have lost that football game. But the Bears were their own worst enemies again. And when you score, when the the number of points you score and the number of penalties you commit are the same number, you're going to have problems. Yeah, and I mean, there were some harsh calls. I'm not going to pretend like uh, there weren't some harsh calls. There were. And I thought that, um, you know, the Bears were penalized a couple times for playing defense. But there were also some dumb calls. There were also some bad plays. There was also, you know, it's very typical of how bad teams lose, quite frankly. When you think about turning the ball over three times, not once, not twice, three different lost fumbles. When you think about little things, little moments in in games, confusion on fourth down plays, just just kind of exceedingly frustrating moments that all add up to sort of submarine any chance you get. You, You go into Minnesota territory, what is it, six times, and you come away with three points, and then you get your consolation. Isn't that cute? One second left touchdown to make it look less horrific than it actually was. But, you know, that's the that's this era of Bears football. That, yeah. that kind of captured all of it, didn't it? By the end of this fourth season, yeah, it did. Uh, you know, the Bears, they don't know how to win. Yeah. They just don't know how to win, and they are so conditioned – to losing that there's this sense that if something can go wrong, it will. Let me tell you something. You know where the problem is on this football team this year, last year, the year before, the year before that, year before that? Offensive line. Yep. As Doug Buffon would say, we got five guys that can't play dead. The key is to have five guys that can block and if you have a quality quarterback, you've got to keep him upright. You've got to make that quarterback so he can get the accurate throws. If he moves out of the pocket, you, there are certain strategic blocks that have to happen. We've got five guys that can't block. Look at, folks, Green Bay. For the second game in a row, they play with one rookie and on their offensive line, one rookie and four backups. In other words, their starters aren't playing. They're injured. They're out. And they've been playing the last two games with four backups. We've got guys that uh, bases dra- uh, drafting, what, whatever our offensive th- uh, theory is and how we're going to move the ball, it hasn't been working. And uh, one of the big reasons is, and, I'll, and, I, and this is another damn thing I've been saying, we got the five guys. I'm sure they're nice guys. They're wonderful guys. Okay, we are not going to win with them. Why? They can't block. Glenn? Ed, you win Super Bowls by having a great offensive line and a great defensive line. Remember what, That's what, how you win Super Bowls. Yeah, 
Remember Dallas when they were in their heyday? In their heyday, yeah. they had five. Their five offensive linemen, every one of them, were number one draft choices. Okay, folks, well, you got a Tom Brady, you got an Aaron Rodgers. Look at those offensive lines. You think those head coaches don't know? Because they got quarterbacks that can win. They have the mentality. They have the accuracy. The uh, the uh, the way to move a team down a field to play quarter after quarter. And they know to keep him upright. Just look at their offensive lines. I'm going to say, I beg to differ on the offensive line tonight, OB. And I'm just saying, you know, that Viking team led the NFL in sacks. So, I mean, they got some pretty good players over there. All that being said, Justin Fields made some really boneheaded moves in the pocket and, and gave up a couple of three big sacks that he didn't really need to. That he's got better athletic Ability to, to evade some of that. Don't didn't you see that? And but I got to tell you, the screen, what yeah, the screen pass, and you just throw it at the feet of the guy. You don't take a sack. Exactly. So the, uh, Justin Fields did very little to help us off. But I got to tell you, sometimes David Montgomery. I mean, ripping off those seven, eight, twelve yard runs after play after play. He's getting some some blocking, and I agree with you. This I think this is the best offensive line play we had all year, but. It wasn't enough for us to win, OB. You point out in your 10 thoughts, which is must-reading at chicagotribune.com for Bears fans, that Justin Fields' statistical line, 26 for 39 um, completions, was misleading. In what way? Well, his stats are better than his performance was, okay? I mean, the numbers really don't tell the whole story, Uh passing did he have on that touchdown drive there at the very end of the game? I mean, it was an 80-yard drive, right? It was an 80 yards passing. Um, you know, that was against a soft uh, zone coverage that was just allowing him to c- complete the stuff underneath. I mean, that, that just kind of pads uh, the statistics there. Uh, he struggled. It was, uh, it was one read and go. Uh, he took uh, some ridiculous sacks. You know, we talked about this multiple times earlier in the year, guys. You, when they take a sack of like eight, ten yards or more, you call it a crinzel. Um, you know, he's got way too much of that Ohio State quarterback thing. I mean, the one on the one that gave him how many yard loss was it? Like a fourteen yard loss or something. It could have been an eighteen yard loss. He was just running backwards the whole time. Um, so it, it's a failure to be able to uh, manage the pocket, to, um, to, to go beyond uh, one read. And, and now you've got a fumbling issue, Dave. Uh, Justin Fields uh, leads the NFL in fumbles, okay? And the people that are up there near him have got a lot more snaps than he does. Most of them do anyway. And he's tied for second in fumbles lost. With five, I mean that's uh, that's now an issue. Uh, so so the numbers the numbers don't tell the story. You had to you had to watch the uh, watch the game. Decisions that that he has made made in this game in particular, uh, which can be sometimes concerning, are you know a screen that's not there. You take a sack, right? Uh, a, a play action uh, where the defense plays it. Everyone's covered. The line blocks it pretty well. You end up taking a sack. You end up, you know, uh, uh, being in these really third and I don't know how many there were in this game, 
but it was, you know, third and 18, third and 20, third and 24. Sometimes those are the quarterback's fault, holding on the ball too long, but you just can't take a sack on the screen, and you really should try to minimize your sacks on play action, especially when you're not moving up in the pocket, but you're sort of fading away and taking the sack, you know, 12 yards uh, behind the line of scrimmage. He made a couple of bad decisions in this football game. It was surprising to see Sage just because we had seen some improvement out of fields. We knew that the Vikings secondary was going to give you a lot. If you could avoid the pass rush, you could get yards against this defense. And we just didn't see as much as what we wanted to. And that that fumble where he had the ball basically taken away from him early where he's running upright was one of the more surprising things to me. But then also just so much yardage being lost on sacks where he's trying to make something happen. For me, I, I can't put this thing all on Justin Fields. This is a, oh, a no. team game. Uh, it's a team game. And, uh, you know, let's go with that fumble, okay? You, you know, we all know Justin's a very good runner. He's extremely fast. Uh, but at the end of the day, he is a quarterback. He's not a running back. Quarterbacks just naturally aren't as protective of the football when they're running. They're just not used to being in that role near as much as a, a David Montgomery. On that play in particular, they run one of those zone reads, uh, but it was a zone read with what we call an RPO, right? The run pass option to the right. So you have, I think it was Bird went out there and did a pretty bad job of blocking. Mooney was running to the flat, so he's not blocking anybody. He's looking for the ball, and Justin's running the football, and Cam Dancer is coming from eight yards, 10 yards deep, downhill, full throttle on your running back with nobody blocking him. That's unfair to your I'm sure you're, now you're running like your quarterback. That is unfair to your cornerback to have an unblocked secondary player with a head of steam running full throttle at him. And literally, he's hitting him right around the line of scrimmage. Maybe it was a one-yard gain before he fumbled. But that's one of those situations where you're not, you know, you're not putting your quarterback in the best position to be successful. You're asking him to pull the football. He, he made the right read, but no one's blocking the secondary player. So, you can definitely put that on, on Justin Fields. At the end of the day, the ball's in his hands. He has to protect it. But rather than having some sort of route combination, flat route by Mooney out there, have those guys blocking. Have those guys actually blocking the secondary players so Justin can be, uh, you know, sort of know where, uh, where the defenders are as far as the guys who are unblocked. And I'm sure he was not expecting uh, a missile coming in there from 10 yards deep, full throttle. The most damaging thing that you took away from last night's game? Concerns over how the Bears are supporting or really not supporting Justin Fields and his development. And you saw it schematically, particularly in the first half. It took till late in that game as the Bears are down two scores to really kind of support him with the right kind of scheme. He did well with that up-tempo, which, by the way, I feel like we had that same conversation about Mitchell Trubisky during much of his four seasons and thriving with that. Uh... And then just to the basic point of trying to protect him, I, I keep going back to that moment where Tevin Jenkins got in the face of six Vikings defenders and the Bears confronted Jenkins instead of supporting their quarterback. I don't see enough to bring along this rookie in terms of structure with coaching, with scheme, and really just teammates sticking up for him in this case. Yeah, it, it seems as if they still haven't figured out how to best work with what skills they have in front of them, there still seems to be this, well, we're just going to do what we always do, and it doesn't matter which quarterback is is available. How would you assess, or is it even possible to assess, 
Justin Fields' progress at this point, considering everything that's wrong around him? It was a mixed bag last night, and there was a lot I liked in the passing game. And statistically, he had one of his better games throwing the football, 26 of 39, 285 and a touchdown. I know a lot of that came late in the ball game, and the Vikings were kind of dropping back in coverage a bit, but I saw quick decisions, and that's what you want to see is understanding that internal clock, which is what you really focus on with a rookie quarterback, a 22-year-old like Fields. And I saw that clock really speeding up in a good way, and understanding coverage is better. He looks so much more comfortable in the second half working with tempo because he can kind of break away from the Matt Nagy scheme and the reads and everything that's kind of structured within this offense. I'm really more curious to see Fields next year, obviously, given the fact that he's more than likely going to have a new coaching staff, a new offense that better fits him. But I'd like to see Fields kind of freestyling in that uh, up-tempo offense and really succeeding and leading the Bears down the field in that case. And I know they only found the end zone on that last play of the ball game, but there was a lot to like with that. Uh, I saw good decisions running the football. Obviously concerned with the fumbles. Two fumbles last night, 12 fumbles in 12 games for him. Ball security is going to be an issue, but that's something you can clean up. A personal foul flag on that play, and then we... See Jermaine Effetti chastise Tevin Jenkins on the play, Yerk. Honestly, I was okay with Jenkins stepping in for fields. That is, I think, the expectation in the NFL. Your linemen are always going to come to the defense of the quarterback. Certainly don't want that foul. But I'll be honest, Yerk. I didn't love Effetti being so demonstrative towards Tevin Jenkins when, yes, in an ideal world, you don't draw the flag, right? Yeah. But the reality is... I didn't. So you know what really irritates me is when you get a personal foul call for something that is not sticking up for your teammates. In that instance, it's not ideal, but I can't hate on Tevin Jenkins coming to the defense of his quarterback. You smack your guy in the shoulder and you say, hey, dumb play. Let's yes. get back in the huddle and let's move on. Yes. But you don't make it look like you're showing your own player up on the field. And that's what a Fetty's doing. Fetty could talk to him saying, yeah. hey, get mm-hmm. your head out of your ass. Doesn't it stink in there? Yes. But tap him on the shoulder. Let's go back to the huddle mm-hmm. without trying to show him yeah. up. A Fetty showed him up on the field. I don't know who a Fetty is. That, he's never he, really done first anything. First time he returned last night. He's been right. missing due to injury for a while now. And even when he if was I, playing. Yeah, if I want to find the guy with the slowest feet on the field, I'll call a Fetty and I'll say, hey, come yeah. on over. You know, give me a three-step over here because you're no good. Yeah, and listen, you heard Brian Greasy, a former quarterback, I think give you the insight that most quarterbacks have. He's not the only one either, by the way, because Justin Fields yesterday talked about what happened on that play and Tevin Jenkins coming to his defense. I told him um, I like what he did there, um, and I appreciate him, but... At the same time, he's, he's, he's got to be smart. But, I mean, I definitely love the mindset, and I love, you know, him sticking up for me. I mean, I think, you know, that's what we need more of. But um, I just told him, you know, I, I love it, but just do it, you know, between the whistles. No surprise. That was the scouting report on Tevin Jenkins when he came into this league. He had a nasty streak to him, so we shouldn't be surprised that it comes out finally when he's playing. And, again, though, I will be adamant there i don't love it but in a season where it's already your four nine and things are going sideways on you i don't hate what tevin jenkins did last night i do hate the way jermaine effetti reacted to tevin jenkins see matt Nagy, his personality such a departure from what he always has been i wonder how that affects the play on the field i wonder how all that emotion and all that the bears were not an efficient team they're not they don't come across as a smart team they, they they make way too many mistakes, and I just wonder 
if that you know the, the if his unhinged coach leads to an undisciplined team if there's a connection there and and if you aren't the coach that you always have been what effect that has on your players yeah the, the players see that I mean obviously they they want to see confidence in a coach they can read confidence in a coach and uh, they want energy positive energy in the coach but without changing your personality I understand exactly what you guys were saying and I'm sure that most of the fans would like to think that it's the stress uh, that it's it's possibly the end and all these things and that's that's what's causing Matt Nagy to react that way. Could it be? Sure, sure it could. But I, I, I was going to say, you know what? I think he. You hope that your team comes out ready to play on national TV. And and I'll tell you what, the way Akeem Hicks and that young secondary that never played before, and those guys were flying around. Uh, Roquan Smith, I, I, Robert Quinn. I I would like to think that he got caught up in the moment that. Wow. I mean, these guys are here to win this game and play. This is great. Let's go. Let, you know, kind of uh, got caught up in it. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and go that way rather than he's so stressed out and he thinks it's his he's hanging on for a last thread. I'm going to go. I'm going to back off that one right now. Give him a little credit. Offensive side of things, right? Like, you know, the Vikings offensive stats essentially is what I'm saying. You would have told me the Bears won by two scores sure if i showed you what the bears actually were able to produce in terms of takeaways they got an interception of cousins in terms of cooks running yards in terms of cousins just throwing for nothing if i had just shown you justin jefferson's box score yeah with even with one touchdown four catches for 47 yards you'd have thought bears probably pulled this thing out somehow but they didn't and it wasn't close 17 to 9? This thing was 45 to 3. Yes. It wasn't close. Yes. You can look at those numbers, right, and just kind of some way in your own personal math look at the score and say, yeah, it, it felt like 45 to 3 because it looked like the Bears were never going to score. You're in the red zone and it's mid December and you still can't find a way to unlock the mystery of the red zone. How, how, how does that happen? Because you're a bad football team. All right, again, the, the reason why that I'm ticked off this morning is because once again, when I'm in here with Cap, I always tell him, I feel like I'm wasting my time. Come on, watching or reading a book or doing something sure. else besides watching this crap. If you're George McCaskey and you are sitting in that skybox tonight and you see everything you saw, undisciplined play, lousy offense, turnovers, failure to execute in the red zone, mm, mm, if mm. you've got any pride about the organization... This guy worked hard for you, Matt Nagy. Put him out of his misery and move on. It wow. has gotten to the point where we are a national embarrassment. G- gotten? You, tonight? No, no. Oh. We lose regionally every week oh. when you play on national TV. <laughs> every time we play. A national embarrassment. Every time we play on national TV, we get our butt whooped. Mm-hmm. Like you had to patrol the sideline. You went through all this. At mm-hmm. some point, though, what is the owner watching up there? Well, we always said owners don't know if we're blocking people or if we're in the right run gaps, but they're smart and they can add numbers and they can add on that sheet at the end. So, <laughs> all, you know, the penalties and all those things mm-hmm. add up. They see that stuff. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you got to – if I'm the owner, I'm, I'm looking – and the focus this year has been on the offense and been on Justin Fields. And, mm-hmm. and you're seeing enough improvement there. 
you know, on offense to, to be excited about moving forward. I think that's the decision that they have to make. And, um, you but know, from your experience, don't you feel like that, that the stuff that happens on the penalties and all that crazy stuff that doesn't give you a chance, you know, to mm -hmm. really show what you're trying to do. Don't you feel like an owner already knows? I know there's three more games after this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he does. He already knows what he yeah, wants. Absolutely. To do. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I would not be shocked if he got let go tomorrow because you can interview week 17 and 18. We're going to week 16. Mm -hmm. When do you line this stuff up? Well, you got to have a plan before you do that now. I mean, you, well, they you, better have been meeting just, already. Like, I used to always say, oh, yeah, you want to get rid of that player? Go ahead. Now, who's going to take his place? What's your plan? What's our plan? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's, it's easy to get frustrated and say, get rid of the guy. But, but right. what's the plan to replace him? I don't know if the Bears have a plan right now. You know what I mean? I mean, so mm -hmm. it's uh, – it's Might be better off just telling him, hey, coach him up. You know what I mean? We, we just got to coach him up right you now. Can't. No? At can't some it. point, it's over. I heard. It's over. He doesn't even look healthy to me. He looks like he's got the weight of the world. You think the Bears are ready to go out and interview another coach? Yes. You really do think do. they're ready to? And who's going to do that? I think the people doing the interview are incompetent. Who's who's going to well? Who's going to do it? They're, I mean, <laughs> they want to get rid of everybody. Yeah. And no, Alex, do it. Alex will do it. You know, it was just kind of a weird, sluggish. It was like the Vikings. You know, when you have one of those dreams. And you feel like everything you try to do is in slow motion. I feel like everything the Vikings were trying to do was in slow motion. But they were still doing what they needed to do. Their defense was opportunistic and or lucky. But the offense just always felt like it was off. I mean, Kirk Cousins had 87 passing yards, the lowest total of his entire career, Chris. And, uh, you know, if, if I'd have seen his stat line going into the game, I'd have said, here's another one of those. Bears beat the Vikings at Soldier Field. Well, yeah. I mean, you're right. Bears should have beat the, 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 the Vikings at Soldier Field, except they're a dumpster fire of issues. I mean, that's where it's like that. You know, Mike, in all honesty, I think they outplayed the, the Vikings in a lot of ways last night. But, I mean, it, two fumbles, blocked field goal, penalties everywhere. You know, I mean, dropped a punt. You know, bad fourth down calls. A horrible challenge on a touchdown where it was like, we're going to commercial break. The guy didn't catch it. He doesn't even have, he didn't catch the ball, let alone he definitely wasn't in bounds. He didn't catch it. I mean, Shin was down, but he didn't. I think he got so caught up on the Shin being yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. He missed the missed fact the that fact the ball that he didn't was hold that. the ball. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. I mean, it, it was, it, it, I feel like, again, the Vikings won the game, right? But I feel like a little bit like I felt like with the Raiders in the last conversation. Do we really got to talk about them just because they won the game? Do we really got to talk about them? Like, please, I don't want to. The Vikings are another one of those teams that I will classify in the Chris Sims CIA files to go, I don't want to see you in the playoffs. Please, I don't want to see you. Oh, my gosh. And I mean, just a weird game altogether. Yeah, I mean, they won because they're a little bit more battle-tested. They got a little more maturity on their football team, and the Bears have a propensity to screw things up like no other team I've ever seen with just dumb penalties, turnovers, stupid management of the game. It's It was unbelievable. And, and that draws all the way back to last year. When you look at the offensive line play, and certain blitzes mm -hmm. would come, and then you see this side doing one thing, the other side doing one thing. And you even had Allen Robinson say, okay, we have one coach telling us this and the other coach telling us this in the riffraff, but – 
I look at Justin Fields, right? And, like, he took the sack last night, shouldn't have took the sack. Fourth down, you can't take a sack. you got to throw it there on fourth down. Just to, Even if you throw it up and give a guy a chance, and then you see the screen where he take a sack also, that communication should be coming from your head coach who's an offensive guy. Uh, going over situational football, what you can and can't do in those situations. So right there is telling me that the communication is not happening. It's not there. And that's obviously the coaching issue. Yeah. And that, that starts yeah. at the top. That starts with coaching. And it's just been it's been the issue there. It's it's I guess if I'm in Chicago, that's the thing I'm most frustrated about. Like like Cleo Max not even Bro, playing. This, this, that's what and I'm that saying. Defense this defense looks, is, is is amazing. You like you pray, teams pray and hope that they're gonna have a Robert Quinn, a Keem Hicks, who is a physical specimen, nasty, the kind of player that I like. Nasty. I don't give he don't give a damn about the, who he's playing against. He's gonna get a couple personal fouls here and there. You, but though. you but you yeah. you can you can live with those because you can live with your defensive lineman being nasty. Then they have a guy, Angelo, Angelo Blackson. I played with him in Tennessee, who's coming to his own over, throughout his career. He was in with the Houston Texans as well. But you just said it. They're not even playing with Khalil Mack. And then they played this game with a decimated, depleted secondary. So guys like Graham and Tabar, those guys stepped up big time last night at the safety and corner position. And they had a chance. They, they, they were still in this ball game. They Very gave Kirk, they sat Kirk Cousins four times. Mm-hmm. Keem Hicks had two. Robert Quinn had two. They gave that offensive line hell for, for the Minnesota Vikings. Quinn has 15 now? Yeah, he's, he, you, man. No, he has 16. He's, so, all right, so he has So he is second. So he is right second there? right now. Yeah, you got TJ Watt right one, Robert Quinn second. Miles Garrett, three. I mean, that's a significant record to have in franchise oh, history yeah. when you consider the Bears and defense as their history and, yeah. and a name like Richard Dent, right? Like, yeah. so, so he's having that kind of year, and there's no Cleo Mack on the other side. It's not like defenses have to worry about a lot. It's just you could focus on yeah. him, and he's still getting there. So you're getting production, and they're doing that. So that side of the ball is doing the job. It's the offense, and that's what Matt Nagy was brought in. You can say all you want about Matt Nagy and everything else. I mean, I've criticized him for what he, how he is uh, at the podium. Because I just feel like he does, he says too much, does too much, tries too hard at the podium. And it also is a bit of a reflection of who he is in front of his team. But the bottom line is, you're brought in to bring the offense up to a level where the defense is. That has not happened. And that's why you have to make a change. Well, and, and I'll give you, I'll tell you this, Han. When you talk about coaching, right? Great coaching is playing to your player's strengths. Not saying, okay, this is what we do. This is what my system is. And this is the way we're going to do it. You adapt to the players that you have around you. You you play to their strengths and never exploit their weaknesses. That's what great coaching does. Mm. And that's the end. Aldo? I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, got confused on my buttons. I got a lot of fucking buttons to press here. But what'd you think? Oh, it was good. Uh, I kept thinking, who who's he talking to? Man, I don't like that guy's voice because I'm only hearing the audio, and I was like, oh, it's fucking Chris Sims. No wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I put up in the chat room, it's a bitch when Chris uh, Sims is shitting all over you. You know, it's like uh, of all the people that you want to say, you know, your team sucks, <laughs> you don't want Chris Sims because he's such an asshole. <laughs> I got to give him credit, though. He's the one who foreshadowed 
Justin Fields' struggles. Yep. And uh, when everybody uh, was talking about it, I did the research, and his biggest complaint about Justin Fields was his long windup, which has been an issue in his rookie season. He brings that ball all the way down to his hip, and then he fires, and in the NFL – it's very difficult to get away with that with those speedy defensive backs. So he was right to be concerned about that. Now he has said during the season that he thinks Justin Fields is going to be a good NFL quarterback. So he's adjusted his thinking on that a bit. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. He pointed out that there were some problems with Fields' game, and I think we're seeing that. We're seeing that he doesn't see the field quite as well as advertised. We're seeing that he was advertised as the guy who doesn't make the, uh, the same mistake twice. Oh, are you kidding me? He's made him like five, six, seven, eight times. So it's taking him a little longer to pick up this NFL game than we anticipated. Again, I have full confidence that he will, but somebody in the uh, chat says, asked a question, what are the chances, so I'll start with you, Dan, what are the chances that Justin Fields is going to be a bust? Man, it's it's too early to to say that. But what does what, what your gut say? You think there's a chance that he could be a bust? There's a chance. There's always a chance. Uh, I mean, it's... How big, how big is to, that chance, though? <laughs> all right. Uh, if I had to give you a percentage? Yeah, please. I'll say 65-35. Ooh, that high. 65-35 that he's a solid player. Okay. Let me define that as being at least as good as Trubisky. Oh, my gosh. Really? Just 65? He better be. Because I don't think that Mitch was as horrible as people made him out to be. And, again, I still think Mitch had Nagy strangling him. I agree with that. And he still managed to make the playoffs twice. So I think there's a, at least a 65% chance. I mean, Mike North, you know, thinks he's a bust already. And, you know, I respect the fuck out of Mike. But, right. but uh, in- so there are a lot of people that think, or not a lot, but there's some people that passionately think he sucks. Yeah, but, but I'm not one of those. But I want to just say this on behalf of Mike. He has been amending that the last couple of shows that we did. He is now kind of thinking maybe it isn't, Mitchell Trubisky or Justin Fields, that it's Matt Nagy. Now he seems to be thinking, you know, I've been underestimating, uh, uh, overestimating Matt Nagy. So he's changing his mind on that a little bit. I don't know. He had a tweet. And again, Mike knows more than I do. So I'm not trying to say this in a way that says, oh, look at Mike. He's wrong. He tweeted something that I saw uh, early. It was real early in the morning. It was something to the effect of, uh, they took a huge step back, uh, you know, by getting this fucking guy, hashtag Justin Fields. Really? Talking, yeah, something like that, unless I dreamt that. Ooh, let me check on this. That's uh, at North to North. You continue to entertain while I uh, do a little search here. Look, Mike is very entertaining and is, um, you know, a legend in, in the business, and I don't have to placate him by saying that. He just is. Mm-hmm. And this genre. So he has my immense respect. And if we disagree on this one subject, so what? I mean, he's still, you know, fuck. The dude was in the number three market in the country for two decades and and a solid. They're making a fucking movie about him, right? So, I mean, uh, the dude, you know, I mean, hell, he's he knows more than I do. Yep. Uh, but, so you say it was like really early in the morning, huh? Yeah, like right when he had woken up. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, because he, he'll sometimes be up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Well, it was like 6 or 7 east. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not seeing it. Maybe it was a, uh, a retweet on something or a reply. Um, but he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did that, but I do <laughs> – I want to. I want I'm pretty to. sure that I saw it, unless I dreamt this. Let me. I'll go look. That doesn't it. matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it is. It is weird though, because I do want to monitor his thoughts on Justin Fields because he and I have a little bet, and so you know, maybe <laughs> when that bet comes to fruition, I'll deta detail it all and actually put together some of the highlights of our talks on the Mike North advantage about Justin Fields and Mitch Trubisky. I, I, you know, I don't, Mitchell Trubisky is a uh, second string quarterback for a good reason. And whenever my, I kid Mike, when he compares Trubisky to Nagy, I, I tell him you're comparing a second string quarterback to a starter. So stop right there. All right. Now I know it's much more nuanced than that, but just messing with him. Um, I want to uh well no what was your answer on the Trubisky or the uh oh, Justin Fields? I, I think that there is a chance there is a 75% chance that he's gonna be a better than average quarterback in the NFL. I think that there is a 40, no 30% chance that he could be an NFL star, uh a top top playmaker type. So um it's it's going to and i am surprised i think he's behind schedule right now there's no doubt about it despite the poor coaching despite the poor scheming and so forth there are still things that you should be able to do the, the screen pass was a perfect example there, there's no reason why you have to do a jump shot there you're getting cute you're playing a little bit too much playground uh, football, but these are the things that he's got to learn. He's got to try these things to see what he can get away with. You know, it's like, uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Kobe Bryant. I remember watching him a lot of games in his rookie season. Why? Because I was intrigued by the fact that it was obvious that he emulated Michael Jordan's game and he wanted to be better than Michael Jordan historically. And he, you know, he did a lot of things like Michael Jordan. Well, in that rookie season that he had, now he was only 18, I remember that, but in that rookie season, my goodness, that he looked bad at times. And he now he's considered one of the greatest player, top five, ten at least, uh, players of all time. So any luck on that <clears throat> as I'm choking here on a – I found the tweet. Okay. He says, you all wanted someone else uh, <laughs> but the right guy. Enjoy the next three to four years of development, question mark. We moved up for a quarterback that has no idea in who took a sack on a screen pass, uh, question mark. Hashtag bear down at ESPN 1000. I thought that it was hashtag Justin Fields, but I remembered incorrectly. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, this was at 12-21-21 at 6.47 a.m. Wow. All right, I will uh, make a screen grab of that and see. And and he might end up being totally right about I'll send it to that. you if you want me to. Yeah, send that to me. That'll make it easier for me. And he en may end up being totally right on his opinion on that. Yeah, when I see that, it honestly scares me in the sense that it's just like going into this season. Mm -hmm. Remember, we were predicting the schedule, which we at the time said, this is stupid. And, you know, but we're doing it because everybody else does it. And, 
it's fun, I guess, but there's no way we'll know. And everyone was predicting the bears to be terrible. Mm-hmm. And I was saying at the time, like I, I, anytime it feels like I go against the grain and say, oh, the bears are going to be really good. Despite the predictions, I'm usually disappointed. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that's the, the experts were right again. And when I see like people like Mike North saying that about fields, I'm like, oh man, am I wrong again? Yeah. I, you know, it makes me think like I'm the dumb fuck for buying the two jerseys immediately. <laughs> no, I, I really do believe that Mike is wrong on this. Um, you know, let's remember Mike has not always been correct. It's not like he's batting a thousand. He's lucky to be batting 300, which is a great batting average uh, sure. in life and in baseball. Um, and, uh, but you know, he, he wanted, uh, <laughs> Jordy Nelson over Allen Robinson, Sebastian Janikowski over Brian Erlacher. And I know you hate Erlacher, but you have to agree that Erlacher. I don't hate Erlacher. <laughs> I just think he's a bad person. Yes. Okay. Well, that's a good, good reason to dislike somebody. Maybe hates too strong a word. Um, it's funny though. You hate Aaron Rodgers, but I do hate Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and Tom Brady. I hate Aaron Rodgers. Like, I love Brian Erlacher in comparison to Aaron Rodgers. Like love, love, love him. Like I would sleep in Erlacher's underwear, <laughs> like with his used bald sweat in it before I would want to just see Aaron Rod every Packers broadcast. And I, I swear to you, I, I'm not trying to be funny. I think it's sexual. The networks will do like these, like zoom ins of Aaron's face in slow motion with Aaron smiling. You know, he's smiling with his big fucking bug eyes and his hair down to his shoulders and all this shit, man. Like, not that I give a fuck about him having long hair. I'm just saying, but that's his, that's the way he looks now. Uh, It doesn't bother me that he has long hair. I'm just saying, but they, they show him smiling in slow motion like no other player. (laughs) <laughs> never before not even people that smiled like historically we mentioned magic johnson earlier magic johnson historically had a great smile yeah and did. that's what people talked about they gravitated to him being so affable mm-hmm. and such a great smile and he's having fun they didn't even show magic smiling in slow motion the way they do rogers <laughs> I, th- I think it's a sexual attraction to him the uh, people at these networks, like Fox or CBS, I, I swear to you, I think it's true. I think there there is a manual, you know, that was probably written by the Sable uh, team, Ed and and Steve Sable, and they on and they used it on NFL films. They romanticized football so much, and so now the broadcast networks has, have adopted that manual. They want to uh, create that same feeling that you get when you watch NFL films at its very best. And there's some good NFL films. There's no Kirk Cousins smiling in slow motion. (laughs) There's no Justin Fields smiling in slow motion. But you have to admit There was no Cutler. There was no Matt Stafford. It's always Rodgers. I don't even remember Favre smiling in slow motion. <laughs> I, I it's have to, always Rodgers. Because it, it, he's the enemy. He's Everybody either loves him, and that's a small minority, or hates him. There's no in-between. If you're a football fan, you either hate Aaron Rodgers, and, and if you hate him, you, you could still respect him, but you either hate him because of his personality, because of his smugness, because he's just a fucking asshole, or you love him uh, because he's a tremendous quarterback and he's an interesting fellow, he's a smart fellow, whatever. Or you're a Green Bay Packer fan, which is more likely. Um, so 
you know, I, I do think that he is kind of the perfect personality to give that treatment to. Same thing with Tom Brady, right? Great looking guy, lots of success and so forth. And it's I, I think the NFL networks will love another conference championship game with Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, part two. How did it end last season, uh, Dan? You have the, the uh, photographic memory. The Packers kicked the field goal instead of going for the. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. It wasn't Aaron's fault. He had a good game. Dan and I were texting back and forth, and and, and Dan brought up a very good point that I sometimes forget when I'm praising Aaron Rodgers is that he's been statistically terrible in most of the NFC uh, championship games, and and that's a great great point. It's one of the reasons. You know, he's only got one Super Bowl. Yeah, and he won that Super Bowl when I was literally 30 years old. And I'm 40 fucking one now. You're 41. But people people (laughs) act like he's won like five championships. Mm -hmm. The guy has been on stacked teams over the years. No one is a bigger underachiever than Aaron Rodgers. He's one Jay Cutler injury away from never even gone to the Super Bowl, and maybe it's just me being a, a sore Bear fan, if Cutler doesn't hurt his knee, we go to the Super Bowl that year, and he's someone who's never even gone to the Super Bowl. Man, fuck that guy. I'm so sick of that guy. I wish, I, I was wishing a Joe Theismann injury on him while I was sitting with that girl at work. I just couldn't take her stupid comments. Mm-hmm. Oh, Aaron owns you guys. <laughs> Did you hear that? Were you watching that game? Were you at that game? I, I think he was talking to you. Shit like that. Like, tell, tell oh, do you the, see? Tell me the truth, Dan. Did you end up having sex with this woman? <laughs> no. Come on. No, I wouldn't. Please. I absolutely would not. But come on. She's married. So? And I don't care how attractive she is or isn't. Her Aaron Rodgers comments means she'll never see my penis. Not that she wants to, but she would never, ever see my penis. I want nothing to do with her. Yeah. I had sex with that one Packers fan one time, but I didn't know, you know. I didn't know she was a Packers fan after it already f- finished. Mm-hmm. I thought she was fucking with me. Like, why didn't you tell me that before I came? Because I wouldn't have come in you. I wouldn't risk knocking up a fucking Green Bay fan. Are you kidding? Are you? I'm af- not. I'm not kidding. Are you afraid that genetically your son or daughter would be a Packers fan? Oh, that would be so horrible. Uh, again, my dad liked Minnesota, so maybe I would. But my my dad wasn't passionate. Like he, you know, if if the Bears had beaten Minnesota, he'd have been like, well, you know, okay, at least it was my son's team. Mm-hmm. And again, he just loved Minnesota because he loved Fran Tarkenton. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of stuck with them. But he wasn't like you know, if he were still alive, he wouldn't be what he wouldn't be subscribing to Sunday Ticket. You get my point? Like sure. if they're on, if they're on, he'll watch it. But if not, so maybe that's not a good example. But because he didn't really think of it as like such a big deal that I like the Bears and not Minnesota, he's fine with it. Mm-hmm. Like I would if if I had a kid that liked Green Bay, that would really devastate me. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, some people don't <laughs> want uh, a kid that goes in the opposite political party. That is true. Now, that's the way I would feel about this or a different religion. Like if somebody, you know, some religions are like that. Like it's blasphemous to (sighs) to sleep with another member of a different religion or what have you. George in the chat room says that if you had a uh, YouTube channel 
about your sex life, you would probably get a million subscribers. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I haven't been laid in about a month. So, I, well, I got to ask you this since you brought it up. Um, if, like, let's say we know that Danica Patrick, you know, the famous race car driver, we know that she became a Green Bay Packers fan when she was dating oh. Aaron Rodgers. Well, what happens if you're like going to a grocery store next week and there's Danica Patrick and you guys start up a conversation and all of a sudden, you know, she says, yeah, I'm available tonight. You know, I'm in the city. If you want to take me out to dinner and you say, well, yeah, I absolutely. I would. I would love to take Aaron, you out. Aaron Rodgers is ex lady. Yes. Danica Patrick. So would all not of a sudden, ever want to go out with me in any scenario whether no, no, she no, was no, a method no no no, no, no. you do not know that or a nascar driver you do not know that you do not know that i do know that <laughs> no. i'm not a wealthy person she's someone that's going to go out with a sugar daddy or someone that she just she wants finds... to get laid man that's well, it she's not going to choose me you're fucking zach efron she she's not fucking you she's fucking your voice <laughs> ah, she's not going to sleep with me. And, and, and if I had to entertain this hypothetical madness, which would never come into fruition, I, I would assume that every guy would hit on her. So I wouldn't even talk to her because I wouldn't want to be grouped in with the other guys that are hitting on her. And when you add in the Aaron Rodgers thing on top of it, there's nothing for me to say to her. The factor wants to know if you really believe that about the allegations that Aaron Rodgers is homosexual. Yes, I do. Tell us why you believe that. Well, the Kevin guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, the Kevin guy said that they broke up because when the, I think his name was Michael Sam. They, the was, football player. Yes, Michael Sam. Yeah, that was drafted by the Rams, and he was the first person of his kind. And I don't mean kind in terms of his sexuality. I just meant the first. he was notable as being the first person to openly be homosexual. Mm -hmm. You know, he's an answer to a trivia question. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure it's not the question that he'd like to hear. He'd like to be, you know, a Super Bowl champion or something. But that that's what he's going to be noted for. Mm -hmm. And around the same time, the Kevin guy said that Aaron said, you know, he was going to come out and support Michael Sam and admit that they were lovers and all this. And then when he didn't, uh, that's when their uh, problems manifested. And he felt like betrayed, and then they ended up breaking up. And of course, like Rogers does with everybody, he ghosted him, uh, like he did his own family and you know everybody else. Because again, you give that guy a check, he doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need his old coaches, his old his parents, mentors, nobody. He's better than everybody. Michael Diaz. The only person he needs is Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's right. Don't start. Don't start. We're about to bring uh, Tooch in here. You're picking on his hero. No, no, but uh, again, <laughs> uh, the I'm point of that playing. last week was to say he got caught lying. It wasn't about <laughs> the Rogan thing. Is this by definition? He was lying. Michael Diaz says, Dan, have you ever had a girl bite your nutsack? I did, and the end result was quite bloody. Michael Diaz with the uh, bit nutsack. You yeah. ever had something like I, that? I don't think about biting. I'm sure that they've kind of had my balls in their mouth and like, you know, kind of made you go like, ooh, like they sucked on them too much or yeah. something. Yeah. And it just makes you cringe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, like, I don't like that Yeah, it almost felt like you got hit in the balls. Yeah. That, I, I I said once on this show, I, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a big fan of having my balls played with or sucked uh, during sex. It, it, it's, to me, just leave that alone. There's plenty of other penis there for you. For I, I don't enjoyment. know. It depends on what kind of tenderness they're showing. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, some women are experts at it, and some are not. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you know, the worst thing. This is going deep into the weeds, but one of the worst things that ever happened to me in, in a sexual sense like that. I had a woman. This was like circa 2010 or whatever, a long time ago. That when she was blowing me, she'd want to like stretch out my urethra or something and like stick her tongue in it, and it would like. I would almost want to punch her. I mean, I wouldn't. I've never hit a woman, but I'm just saying, like, that shit burned, man. Like, leave my fucking piss hole alone. Don't try <laughs> yeah. to stick your tongue in there. What the fuck? You're trying to give me a catheter? Suck my dick. Yeah. I, I don't, don't fucking stretch out my urethra. That was horrible. Yeah. I had that happen to me once, and I got venereal warts. So <laughs> stay oh away. John. Stay away from it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Hopefully those were cured. Uh, oh yeah, many a long, long, long time ago. So I'm burying myself about 25 years ago. I got venereal warts because someone was doing something that she shouldn't have been doing. That's like the last time the Bears had a winning season. It feels like I know that's not true, <laughs> but it feels like it at this point. All right, let's talk a little bit more Bears before we bring in our man John Zandute. Gee, I want to play some sound bites for, for you. Of course, one of the big stories from last night's game of feel good, super, super feel good, was the fact that um, the rookie, um, now I'm forgetting his first name, Graham. Graham. Thomas Graham. Thomas Graham um, came in and played. And immediately everybody saw how great he was playing. They were applauding his play on social media and stuff. Now, some Bears fans were immediately started with the well, why, why the hell didn't they start him earlier? Well, there's usually a good reason. There's usually a good reason. And so if you listen to Thomas Graham talk about what's happened to him this season, you will see that it was probably justified that he was not put into the lineup earlier in the season. Now, may, maybe he should have been put in two, three weeks, four weeks ago. That would make sense. But to put him in at the beginning of the season would have been a big mistake. Listen to Thomas Graham after the game talking about this season. Personally, uh, once I got cut, I was just kind of, I was butthurt. But I knew that I didn't show everything I needed to during camp. Um, I made mistakes, and I think the one thing that I didn't do that they wanted me to show was consistency. Um, that's one thing I showed through my whole college career was a consistent corner that can go out there and make plays in and out. And I feel like during camp and during preseason, I didn't do enough of that. Um, and I felt and they felt that I needed to develop. Um, and it was a kind of a hard truth that I wanted to, to say, but I took a year off of football. It was, it was hard. Um, and me and Ryan had talked about it. He gave me film to watch of other corners that are similar to my game. Um, Ronnell was played a big part um, in that, uh, just helping me after practice with meetings. And it was it was a roller coaster for me. And I'm not gonna act like it was easy. It wasn't an easy moment for me. Uh, and, but just eventually, my confidence started growing. Started making more plays in practice, and I just knew, like, whenever your your opportunity comes, you gotta take advantage of it because God is only gonna give you this chance at once. It's about what you do with it. And I, you feel me, prayed on it, and I'm thankful for Him for allowing me to be in this opportunity and get this this chance. I want to first, before you comment on what he just said, I want, I'm trying to decide if this was a stroke of genius by John Santucci as a director, or did he really fuck up? Because as we're seeing on the TV screen here, uh, Thomas Graham talk about this comeback. 
He's got comments from people in the chat room, 4,000 clovers. This is over the image of Graham talking. He's got this American chick I was banging could lick balls with the best of them. Although, <laughs> she turned you out. And then he put another one. He put another one on, and I said, yeah, I, I'm leaning a little bit more towards this was a bad move than, than a stroke of genius. He's got Tony Moy's comment. The organization is called by Waddled Circle of Suck. <laughs> All right, so if Thomas Graham was watching that, uh, I just want to let him know that Johnny Santucci was the director of today's episode. Of hey, before Audio. before you bring Tucci in, there was one more thing I wanted sure. to ask you and, and tell you about and then ask what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. During the broadcast last night, and I think it was Greasy, former Bear, of course, mm -hmm. uh, whom said something ridiculous, mm -hmm. uh, he was talking about, Oh, you know, Grant's playing the Tariq Cohen role. And uh, Tariq, of course, hasn't played a lot this year. He was hurt earlier this year. How the fuck do you not know that Tariq Cohen has not played in almost two seasons and has been hurt for almost two seasons? Like, how do you get that wrong? Oh, he hasn't played a lot this year. And he's he got hurt earlier this year. Like, no, no, you're absolutely fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I... Not that I was disagreeing with you, but I was wanting to know what prompted you to tweet. You were talking about Lewis Reddick and comparing him to a roller coaster because, like, I, I guess you're saying sometimes he's good, sometimes he's wrong. Oh. But I wanted to know specifically what what was bothering you about it. Yeah, I sent out two uh, Riddick uh, comments on via Twitter, uh, opinions, my opinions on Riddick. The first one, he was talking about the Bears' offensive line and praising the interior of the offensive line. Well, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you know that Sam Mustafer has not been grading well, and particularly as the season has gone on. I think he hasn't gotten any better, which is troublesome. Secondly, it's not like Cody Whitehair and Tevin Jenkins have played at a Pro Bowl level. I doubt any one of them got a single vote for the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I think you mean James Daniels. Not James that, right? Daniels, yeah. And so his comment about the offensive line was way off track. And then the roller coaster thing, there was a sentence where he used the word roller coaster like three times. And I was like, roller coaster, this roller coaster, that. So I found the gif of uh, roller coaster and I put it on the screen. So, but I got to do, I do have to say this. Uh, somebody else, I wish I would have written this, said, I'm, I'm scratching Lewis Riddick off of the interview list for GM. And I, and I agree. I don't think – and Greg Gabriel has said this for a long time, and they're friends. Riddick and Gabriel are friends. He's not GM material. He is a very, very polished, smart man, but I don't think he is ready for a general manager's job any more than John Lynch. I mean, John Lynch has made a lot of mistakes uh, as the general manager, and that team – you know, is a little bit better version of the Chicago Bears, frankly. And so, they were five minutes away from a Super Bowl, though. Yeah, that is true. That they is had, true. What a ten-point lead. Yeah, and we were a double doink away from going to the conference championship game, and we probably would have won that. You know, it, it is it, it is a game of inches, as they say. So anyway, um, shall we bring the Tooch in? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, like Pulp Fiction. We're getting the, the what's the guy called? The Gimp. Bring out the Gimp. <laughs> uh, but the he's Gimp sleeping. <laughs> but he's our Gimp. He is John Santucci. Oh, my friend, how are you? 
Oh, he's muted. I should have told him, unmute. Yeah. There he is. That's right. Here I am. Hello, everybody. How are you, brother? <laughs> I'm good. I'm like Stephen Me. The bears have driven me to drink. Oh, no, leave the light off. It looks really, really cool. You I'm, look I'm like, like a disembodied head. <laughs> exactly. It's like Aldo Gandia, Dan Aguirre, and the disembodied head of Juan <laughs> Santucci on the screen. Pretty cool. Uh, is it time for a little bear state of affairs? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, I it is. love right. it. There we right. go. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i figured out where we are aldo you know remember i was like i was trying to figure i was trying to figure out where are we you know in the, in the bears cycle because i think this is new territory and dan aguire had said that uh he was feeling so he's never felt this despondent and i kind of agreed and, and you know uh last week i said the bear state of affair I, I was struggling to find reasons to watch a bears game <laughs> i think i figured it out now it's and uh I, Bears fans know that we're going to lose, and then Bears fans who are mobile sports wagering are betting against the Bears. Oh my gosh! <laughs> They're at that point. That's where that's, we are. That's the Bears' state of affairs. That's that all I got. Fucking touchdown at the end of the game! I lost three hundred and thirty dollars because I picked Jesus. the Vikings minus thirteen and a half points, and so I'm like thinking, okay, so that was a good yeah. bet. I carry the one over. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that bank is now over a thousand dollars. Yeah, but it didn't happen. Fuck. And and then I, we need to get to the bottom of why the Bears weren't allowed to kick that extra point. It has to be because of gambling. It has I think to so. be. I, I, what other reason? Why they just forgot? Well, I, I got another reason. Um, officiating incompetence. I mean, yeah. that was one. And the Bears have been unfortunate to be in in some of the worst offici officiated games in the nfl this entire season how do horrible. i know that i don't i don't but i can't imagine that the four or five games that were uh, officiated so terribly i can't imagine there were many more worse than that in the entire nfl it was so bad i i, I thought I, I thought to myself after the game uh what what did the bears do to nfl officiating <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's right. right. I was like, what the fuck did they do? <laughs> Are they constantly complaining to the league office, like renting out every single official? That, like, mm. you know, now the officials are just, they got it out for the Bears. That's an interesting thought, <laughs> John. It could be something like that. Yeah, let's start a conspiracy it's theory. Just uh, uh, one of the one of the officiating crew's head chief, you know, gets called into the office, like, hey, you know, the Bears organization sent this tape in of your crew. You know, all every fuck up from the last game. <laughs> <You> <laughs> know? Because I, I would be doing that if I was the Bears. You know, mm -hmm. I'm like, come on, the Packers never get called for anything. Their guys can hold. Roger, you, you, you. You blow on Aaron Rodgers as he runs by you, and you get a, a flag. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. Hey, um, I, I was asking uh, Dan Aguirre about Danica Patrick, and I put up the picture of her in some swimwear, and uh, Dan, unfortunately. He can't see it, huh? Yeah, he can't see it, and I wish he would because I think that he would have changed his tune and he would have said, listen, I would try everything possible to have her take me out to dinner. She's a beautiful <laughs> woman. I, I don't know how the hell he, she 
find yeah. Aaron Rodgers attractive. He outkicked his coverage. Oh my gosh! <laughs> How does she like that goggly-eyed fuck? <laughs> I mean, jeez, hey, he's so not crazy. an attractive man. His I don't know. No, his eyes are too big for his head or something. Now he's got that <laughs> mullet that makes his head look smaller. You know, it's, his <laughs> eyes look larger. Uh, 4,000 Clover says, Danica even has a little pooch. I love that. What does that mean, pooch? Chihuahua? Yeah, is he talking about... I'm looking closely at the picture. I don't see a dog there. Is that (laughs) like a little tummy? Maybe maybe that's what he's referring to. Mm -hmm. Dan, you still there? I'm yeah, I'm listening. Do you, uh, Dan? Well, when John and I are talking for long periods of time like this, what do you do? Do you like you masturbate to us? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually ordering my tickets for Matrix Four this weekend. Oh, nice. good choice! Wait, yeah, I'm a... gonna watch the Bears and Seahawks late, mm-hmm. and uh, go watch the movie earlier during the day, and watch the Bears and Seahawks later that night. That's a good call. It comes out at midnight tonight, I think. I, I don't on get it on Sunday. Yeah, he's working okay. nonstop right. till, uh, uh, you could, I think you can watch on HBO Max for free if you're a subscriber. Are you a subscriber to HBO Max, Dan? Yeah, I've he got probably, HBO. He wants TV. to see it in the theater. I get Max for free. Ah, but you, you want to go to the big theater and then watch it in 70 millimeter IMAX, yep. right? Exactly. Uh, yep. That's the way to do it. Fucking A, man. I am dying to see any movie in IMAX. Uh, you know, I got a, a beautiful TV screen at home, but I love the big theatrical experience with IMAX and the 40-foot tall screen and and the vibrant colors and the surround stereo and the reclining chairs and so forth. The only problem is, is that there's usually some asshole in the theater who's talking too loud or has his phone on and stuff. Yeah. And I try to be patient, but you know I'm I'm a stupid Puerto Rican. And eventually, I say something dumb, and then I find myself running out of the theater for my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta be careful. Uh, all right, guys, I want to play. Go ahead, please. I was gonna say, although I usually watch uh, uh, bear bear, uh, bear football, you know, the mm-hmm. halftime, mm-hmm. and then the. And then later on, I watched the mood change yeah. after game. <laughs> and I think John Buffone, mm-hmm. he must have watched Bear Our Souls because he couched his reaction at halftime. He was like, the Bears are ahead, but we've all seen this before. You know? <laughs> I was like, hmm. He's oh my ready. He's getting ready for the after show. Listen, has been watching. Dude, I, I would love to have the resources to do a documentary on the people who work at the Barroom Network and their relationship with the Chicago Bears, you know, and John and Dan and you would definitely be three of the major stories uh, to cover. You know, John has this uh, strong, guttural feeling about the Bears because his, you know, his yeah, uncle cool. played with the Chicago Bears. Dan, you know, Dan's entire life revolves around the Bears and more, maybe more than anyone else at the bar room. If the Bears win, he is happier than happy than anyone else. If the Bears lose, he's more miserable than anyone else. Is that fair to say, Dan? That's what my ex-wife always said. She said, <laughs> you give, you care more than the fucking players. <laughs> <laughs> well, hell, yeah. Very I mean... True. Yeah, you you're speaking like Jalen Johnson there, <laughs> Dan. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah. I'd like to think I'm not a dick to people when they lose. I may not want to talk to you for a few minutes. I need, you know, it's just like getting kicked in the balls. You got to wait. Yeah, just give me a few minutes to catch my wind. Oh, Dan, you're, you're uh, talking to the choir here because I've been that way too, you know? And I, sometimes I get mad at my wife. The fact that she doesn't recognize that, the fact that she doesn't recognize my mood sometimes, like she'll ask me who's winning. I say, oh, the Bears are, are losing by 20. And then, you know, she starts to make small talk and stuff. And I'm like, can't you tell I'm fucking pissed off? I don't, I don't want to talk about your sister's problem with the doctor or anything. Yeah, let's I, talk about this later. Yeah, I need a good two hours here to, uh, you know, just let out the steam somehow. And I can't do that if I'm listening to, you know, small talk. I'm a terrible husband. I firmly believe the thing we've got going for us is that we're loyal. Yep. And as Bear fans, we're we're there when they fucking lose. Hopefully we'll be there when they win. Hopefully we're not dead, which is a possibility. Mm -hmm. But uh, like I said earlier, that lady that was talking all that shit about Aaron Rodgers, if he's in Pittsburgh next year, if he's in Denver next year, she's going to go with that other team. They're not loyal to the Packers. Nobody mm -hmm. cares about the Packers mm -hmm. and their shitty uniforms or any of that fucking thing. Nobody likes Green Bay. It's just they've had Favre and Rodgers. And you talk about the cliche where the ship is going down the Titanic and even the rats are getting off. That's the way it'll be when Green Bay loses Rodgers. Yeah. Um, and we're we're still here, regardless. The Packer fans won't be because well, they're not Packer fans. See, I, they're I, just front runners. They're fucking front runners. I, I have to disagree with you a bit on that because I've spent a lot of time up there. They don't have anything else, Dan. They don't, I meant I, other than the Wisconsin people that are actually going to the games. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, I missed that. I missed that. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, if you want to use a cliche, Packer Nation. Yeah, right. Or anyone around the country that. Sure. Uh, that claims to be a Packers fan, they they they're bandwagon fans. Yeah, I, and they're too I, dumb I to even that. realize they've only won one Super Bowl in the last eleven years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't even know that. They think Rodgers has won like seven. Yeah, well, they, they you know think why, right? You know why? Because they've got signage up everywhere proclaiming themselves title town. And so they believe that it's it's like propaganda. You know, it's like they're living in uh, uh, East Berlin. <laughs> Thank you. And, and so they see it all the time. And, and so they think to ourselves, yeah, it was very disappointing last year, but at least we won the title. <laughs> That's what they think. Yeah, right. you won it 11 years ago. <laughs> hey, uh, it is time to hand out another uh, Christmas present. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, reach into the mailbag here and see what we have. Oh, I got a present from Matt Nagy. It is this full-size dumpster so that he can throw all of his – House of Pancakes uh, uh, menus, uh, play calling sheets in when he is fired next week. So, Matt Nagy, this is your Christmas present, a big, big garbage can. You can throw all your junk out as you're exiting Hallis Hall. Don't leave mad, just leave. I hope you have one of those machines that throw the balls, you know, like to spit the footballs out. I know. Uh, I know who, right, for Cole Komet? That's exactly right. <laughs> Cole Komet, the only catches he ever has is if it's like uh, fields back to pass, it's third and 13. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's being rushed by three guys, and he hits Komet for a gain of five. The Bears will be punting now. Here comes Patrick. Uh, you know, he's uh, O'Donnell's coming to punt. All Those right. are the only catches he had. A, no, he had a 26 yard catch yesterday. Did you miss that one? 
it was the, the I think the longest catch of the game. Maybe let me get. I got the. I think I got the stats up somewhere. No, I got divergent. What's <laughs> it, what, you remember? Uh, white man can't jump. Yes, the the quote from it was even the sun shines on the dog's ass some days. (laughs) There you go. Let me give you another reason why I would love for you and all the other, and there are many of them, Cole Komet, the bashers. He's 22. He's only 22. Dan, when you were 22, you were Adam Shaheen was 22 as well at one point. Oh, you can't compare Adam Shaheen and Cole Komet. Oh, I think you will in a couple of years. No fucking way, dude. They're both going to be Bears tight ends drafted in the second round that turn out to be not worth a fuck. No. So, so, many, so, many, so many passes bounce off of Komet's hands. It's like I, yeah. I expect it to bounce into the air after it's thrown. It, it, it's it's not as bad as you guys think, as you guys make it out. He's you know, But I, I, I he's 22 years old. It usually yeah. takes tight ends three years. Uh Tooch knows this because this yeah. is like a a a a, 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 uh, a law in fantasy football. Don't draft tight ends yeah. until their third or fourth season because it usually, unless there's a special guy, there are he's not going to be Mike Andrews or he's not going to be George Kittle. He's, he's not a tier one tight end, but I really do yeah. think he's a he he will be a solid mid tier two tight end with the potential of being a top t- a tier two tight end. I really do believe it. The only tight end that we've drafted in the last 20 years that was worth anything was Greg Olson. And we gave him away for a couple of packs of cigarettes and some coffee. But uh, the thing is, I hope you're right about Komet. But I just, to me, uh, again, he can't catch anything contested. He can't break a tackle. And the only thing he can catch is if he's not falling down already, mm-hmm. is the little four-yard screen with with nobody around him. <laughs> uh, I just feel like this guy and is going don't to be... forget, don't forget that there's much, much more to a tight end than catching passes. Well, I mean, it we, is the if most... you're drafted in the second round and you're sold to us as a receiving tight end, that's what I expect. No, 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 no. He was never sold to us as a receiving tight end. He was sold to us as an inline blocking tight end. That's what he was at Notre Dame, and that's what he was expected to be. But not, you know, not like uh, Cat Bozo. <laughs> I said, yeah, I told you he made Cat Bozo look like Mike Ditka. Fuck you. <laughs> You're mean, man. You're just a mean. I was gonna bitch. say James Thornton, but James Thornton's physique was so fucking impressive. Oh my god! And I couldn't, and I couldn't actually bust on him. I'm like, this dude's a hundred percent muscle. Robo tight end, he's the call, right? Isn't that yeah, he should have been so much more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, man, I had a question for Tooch, and now I, I it, it escaped my mind. But um, I, I, I what do you think about? Uh, what do you think about Komet before you share your original thoughts? Tooch, what do you think uh, about Komet? He's young. I just, I, it, I think, you know, it's just that all the times that the balls bounce off his hand, it just sticks out so much to me. You know, and it's like, it, it, catches, <laughs> it, it, it bounces up and you're like, oh shit, somebody's going to fucking intercept it. There we go. You know, that's, that's just why. I expect no, when it's you. thrown to him for it to bounce off his hands. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I do have a gift for him, though, Aldo, for Christmas. Okay, you got it. Oh, wait a minute. We're doing shtick here. Oh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's the Junks machine, brand new, right out of the box. That's right. 
That's right. You know what? It's funny. They should not. Why do they call that a jugs machine? Because I come from the days where I used to buy jugs magazine. And <laughs> it was not about a device that throws footballs. It's a device about uh, those things that you feed the babies feed from, right? Yes. Jugs magazine. It was. Mammary glands. I was a 16-year-old guy walking by a newsstand. And I see this magazine titled Jugs. And I go, oh, let me take a look at this. <laughs> and I'm wondering, is this guy, newsstand guy going to sell me this issue of Jugs magazine? I think I still have it around here somewhere. Yeah, nice. That was the coolest <laughs> newsstand guy in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, 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 Toot, you got any more presents to hand out? I do. This present is for George McCaskey. <laughs> so he, he, he can look, do some reflecting on what the problems are with the Bears organization. <laughs> well done. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe a, find out where the blind spot is. The hand mirror. Yeah, I have a present for I'm sorry. Go ahead. He just whips it out so he can figure out who who one of the culprits are. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's he gonna need a bigger mirror than that one. Uh, but uh, I I have a book for George McCaskey. Uh, how to sell your business. <laughs> this is a book written by Colin uh, Gabriel, and it's uh, for George McCaskey. And it's entitled "How to Sell Your Business and Get What You Want." <laughs> Just get the fuck out of town. It should, should be a title. Um, they got to they got to build have, that stadium first in Arlington. Yes, then, uh, Dad, then, do you have any gifts for uh, any, any members of the Chicago Bears? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll think of one real quick. Um, what was the name of that pubic hair trimmer again? I'm fucking ruining <laughs> Mans- my joke. Manscape. Yeah, yeah. What if we give the manscape to Virginia McCaskey? <laughs> you have to think at 98, Virginia's got an intense voice. <laughs> you're, you're the devil. <laughs> it's even got a flashlight on it. <laughs> Help her, you know. See, I see you've been using yours. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get yeah, a, a regular YouTube razor. warning for this one for all for uh, herontophilia. Who <laughs> yes. do you think Virginia's ever gotten her asshole bleached? Um, we're definitely I, getting I, a wrong. I it. You know, when I look at Virginia McCaskey, I can't help but think of a nun. Doesn't she seem like a nun to you? Well, I was thinking about a, a bit that Stern had one day. <laughs> Which he, was? He was, t- he was telling this story. That he was saying it in a sense that maybe this is true. I don't know. I, I, he wasn't trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. He said a guy in his age, in his late 60s, to offset or mitigate the uh, uh, getting prostate cancer, mm-hmm. needs to come 22 times a month. 22 times? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, so he said... He and his wife, Beth, fuck probably about 12 times a month. So he says about 10 times he has to, you know, have, you know, make sure he has some alone time. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, he's doing this for his health, not just for the, the fucking thrill of it at this point. He's like, he's talking about how, like, he feels guilty if he doesn't do it and all this shit. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to masturbate. He says his wife's cooking or something. So he's, he starts watching a video where a lady's giving a, a lesbian massage. Mm. He's like, oh, this will be hot. And he's like, and it goes immediately from like touching her neck straight to in the pussy. And he's like, ah, God, I wish that they would just take their time and make it realistic. But okay. He says he's still watching. And then suddenly he says, he's like, no, Robin, I can't swear to that this. He's like, either it was a turd or there was some kind of dark material around the ass. He said, I thought about this is why women 
bleached their assholes. It was so upsetting to him that he didn't even finish jerking off. He just turned his phone off and went to talk to his wife. I think that's an incredible turnout when they have the, the that that discoloration, if for lack of a he better said way it literally it. looked like a turd. He thought it was shit. That, but again, maybe that part was trying to be funny. But I don't know. Do you uh, think Virginia is? <laughs> I don't. I think Virginia is uh, a very innocent woman, and just the uh, thought that we might be talking about that with her would upset her tremendously. <laughs> you might. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But that's the state of affairs. All the Bears fans are upset with them. So. <laughs> We can uh, talk about her bush. Uh, King Pookie Nation Alvarez says that he has Virginia McCaskey's autograph and that he detected some of her pubic hair on the pill. No, I, I, I added that part. Um, that is called the perfect segue. Yeah. Okay. My last gift. I have actually two of them here, but I'm going I'm to edit out one of them because it was really stupid. But my last gift is a really serious gift, and it's for Justin Fields. I'd love for Christmas for him to get because I can't deliver this. Two great free agent wide receivers like Mike Williams of the Chargers and DJ Shark of the Jaguars. Signing both of those free agent wide receivers. I don't know how the next GM is going to do it. I don't care how. I don't care what they got a mortgage in the future. But give this guy some pass catchers who are fast, who can get open without having to yeah. do these elaborate schemes and so forth. And really – you know, get this guy going. Now, I could have uh, picked out some offensive linemen, but I, I want to talk with both of you guys about the Bears' offensive line because yeah, yeah. I'm not as down on this offensive line as most people are. I still think that the interior of the offensive line is pretty strong. Yes, Daniels has to get better. Uh, uh, we're not going to see much improvement from uh, the left guard, whose name I'm drawing a blank on right now. Cody Whitehead. Cody Whitehead. Uh, but let's move James Daniels or Cody Whitehair to the center, right, position. Let's bring Alex Bars, who every time he's had spot duty, always performs well. Let's bring him into one of the guard positions. And so you have now either Whitehair or Daniels playing the other guard. The interior of the offensive line should be more than adequate. So now we're talking about the tackle positions. You've got Tevin Jenkins who people still are holding out hope that he can play that left tackle and he's he's been rushed into duty and he hasn't done terribly. You know, his penalties are to be expected for a young kid who's just thrown, been thrown in there. And then Larry Borum, who's been playing the right tackle position now for the last three, four games, I think he's looked pretty fucking good. I think he's looked as, as good as the last guy we had in there, Bobby Massey. So, you know, maybe – we're closer to having the offensive line locked down than a lot of people think. I'll start with you, Tooch. What do, what do you think? Well, I, I love the two tackles. I think there's a lot of promise there with Borum and Jenkins. Uh, Jenkins, you know, I mean, he, he, he's been injured all season, finally has gotten a chance to play. And, you know, admittedly, it looked like his first game, you know, but there were some good things in there you know i mean you gotta love the fire you gotta love the the uh the passion for protecting his quarterback and man i, I would get rid of german Fede, you know at the end of the season you know I, I, you just don't need that guy there nope you know and, and he only has a one-year contract so there's yeah. it's almost a, a highly a 99.99 percent that that uh he's he's leaving town there's no way they're gonna resign him. I, I think james daniels is pretty good 
Uh, Cody Whitehair, I, I don't know. I, I just he used to be good. I, 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 that's what I want to say. You know, I. And then, the center position needs upgrade. Right. So, you know, I, do you, uh, Tooch, I mean, you saw Daniels play at, at Iowa. Yeah. Um, do you think? You know, I mean, that's his natural position. That's where he played at Iowa. Do you think yeah, that they, yeah. they should move him back to that center position? You know, I want to say yes, but there's that story that his voice was too soft, you know, to right. to make the line calls, and that's why he's moved to guard. He just wasn't – you know, he was no Olin Krutz back there. And, and like like I said in the chat room, uh, the offensive line needs a general. Mm -hmm. You know, they need a leader. They need a, a, a sheriff, uh, an enforcer. Uh, and well, you know, that, what, Kevin Jenkins can't play center because he right. definitely's got a mean streak to him. Right. You you want to you've got to draft. You know, I, I would take a hard look at centers in this draft. You know, and just look at look at a dude that's look at the lead. guy from Iowa. The, right. the guy from Iowa. Now, what's his name? He's he's not Tyler Linderbaum. I, I even like the name. <laughs> right. and, uh, yeah, he's he's awesome. I, I just uh, I, I'm just not sure he'll be there when we pick. Maybe he's there at the top of the second round. I think you know, he, if could the Bears, he could be there. Uh, if not, you get you get the next best guy, guy that's like mean and and you know the locker, the just the the alpha in the in the locker room. Mm -hmm. That's what I would do. And then, damn, you need like I, I said on a show before, we we need to get strong up the middle, man. I would draft, you know, a, a strong safety that's just an enforcer, man, just a punishing guy that doesn't miss a lot of tackles and. You know, mm -hmm. has good speed and good range, you know, good mm -hmm. coverage skills, you know, at least passable coverage skills, but some of an enforcer back there. Dan, what do you think? Do you think this offensive line isn't as far away from being better than average than most people? Uh, you know, I mean, this offensive line has gotten a lot of shit all season long. And Deservedly so. But there have been some games where they played very well. I thought yesterday's game they played – you know, better than average, like Hampton said it uh, in the media cuts. Yeah, they they have been at times running the ball really well. I, if I want to be negative on that, like let's say there's a game where David Montgomery has, you know, six or seven carries over 10 yards, that same sequence they'll have, you know, three or four plays where he loses two yards. Mm -hmm. And it's not because of his, you know, he's going, you know, horizontally it's because he gets hit in the backfield as soon as he gets the handoff mm -hmm. and like i i can't in my head i'm like if you just literally gain gain 24 yards on a run play how is it the next two plays you you know you can't keep your guy out of the backfield that sort of shit happens all the time mm -hmm. with this offensive line and when they have to pass a lot of times uh we've seen all the quarterbacks or this season, Dalton and Fields running for their lives. I I feel that white hair is grossly overrated. Mm -hmm. I hate to say that. I, I mean, I like him. I want him to be good. I feel like he's taken huge steps back, and it's probably not worth his contract. Uh, as far as James Daniels, I don't know if the Bears will re-sign him or not. I, to me, he, he seems like just a guy. Mm -hmm. And – I'll put Mustafer in there as well as being a guy, a guy that's good to be on your team. Uh, you know, like you said, Alex Bars, you need a guy like that uh, for depth. So maybe Sam Mustafer is your depth guy at center moving forward if you draft a center. Mm -hmm. 
but I, I don't know about Daniels. Daniels and Whitehair both, I I feel, are very inconsistent. And I, I think that that is where everyone says it's the tackles that have been horrible. And, you know, I thought Jason Peters has played fairly well, especially if you consider his age. To me, it's up front, the guards in the center. Interesting. That a lot, that a lot of times uh, are letting the Bears down. Well, I've, I've been saying, you know, for years, if you followed uh, my podcast here, that the guards are the most important position in the offensive line in today's football. Yes, the tackles need to be more athletic than the interior offensive linemen, but because of the way football is played now with the quick releases, quick drops, get rid of the ball quickly, the straightest line to the quarterback is up the middle, so you need a strong interior offensive line and every quarterback will tell you what they want most is the ability to step up in the pocket well how are you going to step up in the pocket if you've got guards that can't pass block so that it's critical you can scheme away from a deficiency at the left tackle position we've seen it happen here in chicago for a long time we had to scheme away from charles leno and, and, and other players um so i i but I do disagree with you, Dan. I, you know, James Daniels is 24 years old. And so I see a player ascending. I don't see a player who you should write off. He's a free agent at, at the end of the season. I think he's just starting to scratch the surface as to the player he will be. Cody Whitehair, on the other hand, is a 29-year-old guard who uh, has never Played. He had one season. I remember Draft Dr. Phil was like on this uh, uh, petition, so to speak, of, you know, let's get Cody Whitehair to the, to the Pro Bowl because he's good. And I think he was actually playing center at the time. But- yeah, and Phil got mad at me because I said that uh, Whitehair had a lot of bad snaps, and he did. Yeah, there's no but doubt Phil, about it. Phil the, thought I was a fool for saying that. Well, but beside that, you know, it, it, I, I believe that – it. I think there's a contract out on Whitehair's uh, deal either after this season or after next season. I would look to sign a young guy, a 23-year-old guy like James Daniels, and allow Whitehair to walk somewhere else. Because um, Whitehair's next contract is going to be like, get the fuck out of here, dude. You know, we'll uh, find somebody else. So it's How time. How old is Whitehair? He's about 27, right? 28? No, he's 20, 29 years old. 29, and, uh, yeah. and Daniels is 24, will be 25 at the start of next season. Yeah, and, I mean, and we have to start thinking about a younger core mm-hmm. of players. You know, the, the defense is aging. You know, and uh, what surprised me about last night's game was that <laughs> Charles Leno, by the way, was voted to the Pro Bowl, according to Stephen Me. Charles Leno really? was voted to the Pro Bowl. Again, Charles Leno was voted to the Pro Bowl. I was the one said we shouldn't get rid of the guy. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Uh, you know, before the game last night, I was uh, talking with uh, uh, Anthony, who does the, the wagering show with me, and we were thinking about uh, uh, how many Bears, as we're handicapping the game, mm-hmm. how many Bears players are out in the defensive secondary with the COVID, you know, and I'm like, who the hell's going to suit up for the secondary? You know, uh, you know, I, someone like maybe Stephen me shows up at the, at the ballpark in a, in a Jersey, he gets on the field playing in the secondary, you know, <laughs> it's like, so I, I went and looked up the Bears roster. It's like Tease Tabor and Thomas Graham. That's what I was trying to think of earlier, Aldo. Tease Tabor. Right. Yeah. Tease, 
Steve Tabor and and uh, 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 Thomas Graham. And I'm like, oh, I'd like to see Thomas Graham. You know, he's the guy we drafted that they had kind of uh, high hopes for, uh, you know, a cornerback out of Oregon. And uh, I, I was like, okay, well, I, they're going up against Justin Jefferson. So let me look at the Justin Jefferson receiving props because the guy could have 200 yards. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen Terrell Owens get 200 yards on us before. I know what it looks like. You know, it's like, uh, and 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 for God's sakes, they they played pretty damn good. You know, and I'm like, why the why the f doesn't this coaching staff or whoever's looking at the players that are are practicing are they are they watching practice because these guys should have been out there. I mean, Graham, you could have at least seen if he did any better than Vildor. A few, yeah. you know, we could have, we could have seen that a few weeks back. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Tabor, give him a shot, move Vildor to the slot or something. You know, where he's, he's a smaller guy. You know, cover the slot receiver. Uh, and you know, Thomas Graham out on the out, outside. Start start developing these guys. You know, because four and ten, we're, we're not making the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. we're not By making the, the playoffs. By the way, Stephen Me was fucking with me. I <laughs> wasn't. wasn't <laughs> Fucker, <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. You look at the stats. You know, I, I don't know why the fuck I pay, pay for Pro Football Focus, but every once in a while they got something good in there. You look at the stats, and, and Leno is among the best graded uh, uh, linemen. And it's not just the grades; it's also in terms of pressures allowed, sacks allowed, hits allowed. He's a, among one of the best left tackles, and it is what it is. You know, I mean, he he didn't have a good go of it here, but nonetheless. <laughs> Well, he, he was Truth a smaller nine. guy, you know. Uh, what is Derek Truth Nine saying about me? Let's face it. Although Leno packed in a couple <laughs> of years ago playing on the Nagy. No, he didn't. Well, yeah, maybe he did. Maybe he did. <laughs> um, Coach Nagy, uh, he's asking the same question I'm asking. You know, mm-hmm. why was Vildor starting over Graham? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I mean, Graham's well, got some good size. He looks like a pretty big physical guy. You know, Vildor's physical, but he's small. Again, you got to look at what Graham himself said. And I played yeah. the soundbite. He said, right. I had a terrible camp. You know, he yep. didn't play at all last season because of, pandem- because of the pandemic. He said, I'm going to sit out this season. So when he came into camp, he was fucking wasn't ready. He was yeah. not ready. And he was cut by the bears. And Ryan Pace said, look at this tape and so forth. We'll bring you back into the practice squad and work yeah. your ass off. And he did. He did. He showed the promise that he did two years ago at Oregon when he was rated one of the best cornerbacks, and he fucked himself when he decided yeah. to sit out the pandemic. It hurt his draft uh, selection. It hurt his game. And, and it hurt his game. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He probably would have been a second-round draft pick if he would have gone back to Oregon and, and avoided this pandemic bullshit. And, I love, and uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a denier about the pandemic. Trust me. Right. Uh, uh, no, we get what you're saying. But, it, yeah, you know, he should have played. He should have played. One of the best things that happened by accident to this offensive line is bringing Jason Peterson with his young kids can get a look at what a real professional looks like, how he works, you know, mm-hmm. the moves, the stances, you know, the, the feet, footwork, you know, I, it, it looks like it's rubbed off on guys like Borum, you know, it just, just, they, those guys should be, should be uh, uh, just milking Peters for all the knowledge of playing left tackle. Just yep. every day I'd be at his locker. What about this? What about that? If I was a, I, if I was a player, I saw one shot of Peters on the sideline. I think it was after the penalty to Jenkins or something. But he looked 
like a fucking coach out there. Yeah. I mean, you know, you see so many of these guys who are sitting out because of injury, they're fucking sitting down and it looks like they're texting, you know, or they're looking at the chicks in the stands or don't give a shit about the game. Fucking Peters was into it. This guy it, it behaves like he's been a bear for 15 years. He's like the, the yeah. equivalent of Akeem Hicks almost, except he's more soft-spoken. I love Justin Peters. A true Jason pro. Peters. Yeah, a, a true, true pro. pro. And, and and what a lucky stroke that, you know, Ryan Pace found this guy. Because if it wasn't for yeah. Peters, it, the Bears would be playing Foles right now or Foles' replacement because uh, uh, all of their quarterbacks would have been injured if they if they had to go with Elijah Wilkinson as their left tackle or, or yeah. Alex Mars. You, you, you can't, can't do that. You can't. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised that uh, Peters – is 39 years old he doesn't you know he he plays a lot younger uh still's got the strength and the footwork uh you know he he's not what he was once before but mm-hmm. you know uh, I, I i'm looking i was wondering if matt Nagy's still in the chat room i've got a i've got a gift for him aldo oh you do yeah should i throw it up there put it up there yeah absolutely the, it's the air trans o'hare gotta get that comment out of the way because i can't see that, that. <laughs> that- uh, Dan uh, uh, Tooch has bought uh, Nagy for Christmas some O'Hare airport transportation stubs. <laughs> A limo drive all the way to the airport. Nicely done, Tooch. <laughs> you can take yeah. Mike Curry with him as well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Sean too. I mean, I, the, the, the staff is underqualified to coach football mm-hmm. at this level. I, yeah. did, let me ask Dan a question. Dan, can I ask you a question? If Matt Nagy mm-hmm. is uh, relieved of his position to the relief of Bears fans everywhere, if he is <laughs> relieved of his position as head coach, is anybody lining up to interview him? I think he goes back to Kansas City. Andy Reid and Andy Reid are like gay lovers. <laughs> Not that there's about, anything wrong. I think is he should any, go to college. Yeah, aside aside from college, which I you could be right, although because they melt, you've seen Mel Tucker have success at the college level. He's uh, making ten million a year, some shit yeah. like that. <laughs> yep, and uh, uh, I, I don't I don't see NFL teams lining up to interview Matt Nagy at all. Mm-hmm. That, I think he that, goes back with Andy Reid. Yeah, that that says something. But I, I mean, as a head for for a head coaching position. I don't think he'll get another shot. You know, this was it. I, you know, I do agree with you, Tooch. It's going to be a long time before he gets an opportunity for a high-level job. He's going to end up being, you know, a quality control coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, which is a fucking huge demotion. You're just basically looking at tape all fucking day. And um, which he's probably not good at either. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's proven he's not good at that. Um, but but you know, I get back to what I said uh, maybe an hour ago in the show. It's just he was hired as a head coach way too soon, and you know, as somebody that has been in that position of going through the HR process of hiring people, you know, it is a really really important and difficult thing to hire the right person for a job. And I can imagine that for a head coach, it's, you know, much more difficult than most other jobs. You've got Yale men at, 
at the Bears organization who can't figure out. They got to hire somebody else to hire someone. Right. Isn't that something, right? Isn't that something? Right. And, and it's funny, uh, Greg Gabriel, who was against the idea of bringing in uh, executive president of uh, football operations, he's starting to warm up to the idea now because the big stumbling block for him is who does the hiring, you know, because he says, yeah, well, yeah. it's the same job as the GM. Yeah, but if you add that other level in, then you, you, you then are assured that Ted Phillips and George McCaskey have nothing to do with that process of bringing in the next GM and coach. Nothing to do with it. The problem is, you know, you got to make sure you bring in an executive president of a football operations who is outstanding. And I think that's pretty simple. You just offer tons and tons of money to somebody who has done it before and had success, like Ozzie Newsom. Baltimore Ravens. This guy has a fucking track record that anybody would yep. envy for that role. Now he is retired, but are you telling me that fifteen million dollars a season wouldn't bring him back? Yeah, Fuck with that is. historic franchise like the Bears. Yep, exactly. Or, or, or even his partner at Ray, Phil Savage at the Ravens yep. would be good. Those two guys are good drafters. Yeah, very good. You know? So you know, I, I think you know hiring somebody for that ultra high level. Should be easier than it is to find, you know, the next coaching sensation and and next GM sensation. That's much more difficult, and that's something you don't want to entrust uh, Ted Phillips and George McCaskey to even be looking at those resumes. Just say, hey, what guys, would you all think about Doug Peterson? Considering he won a Super Bowl and the system is essentially the same. Go ahead, uh, You know. There's one thing I can say is they're hiring a guy who has head coaching experience, though, you know. So that that's a that's a plus to me. It's just that uh, I, I heard that uh, uh, Doug Peterson was a bit prickly to the players, you know. I mean, not not Urban Meyer prickly, but, but yeah, the whole you know. Carson Wentz thing was a debacle, yeah. a debacle. I don't want that guy near. I think he was much yeah. more lucky. You know, there's a lot of fucking coaches in this century. I should write a book on. The lucky NFL coaches from this century or, or the last 10 years or so. Because there's Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson fall into that into that bucket. There have been a lot of one uh, one year wonders in, in, in NFL history, one year coaching wonders. That that would be a good book. Because there have been plenty of them, and I would put uh, Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy is in that book. I like uh, I like the fact that Shad Khan, you know, just jettisoned Urban Meyer right in the middle of the season, you know, just like that, you know, one, one of the stories, you know, he admittedly, he got that, he got it one extra chance, you know, after the, mm -hmm. the, the nightclub photos, you know, and then uh, the story about him kicking his kicker leg, you know, and there must've been a, a bunch of other stories that we aren't privy to, but, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, the bears, I, I don't, I wonder if they're aware of the rule that the new rule in the NFL, where if you, you fire a coach, you, you get to interview Oh, absolutely! They're aware. Fucking yeah, a, I, I they have know. to be. I think they I definitely. Hope so. Yeah, and, and I think um, how do I say this? Um, they've already been making inquiries. Um, bank on it. Bank yeah. on it. They they have not been just sitting around reading newspapers and and smoking cigars. Right. They're already at work at the at, of what the next iteration of Hallis Hall management is going to look at uh, look like. I yeah. 
it's part gut and part some of the things that I've heard from people I respect about the situation. Um, so do not be surprised if Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy will probably coach out the year. I've said it a few times already because of the COVID. It's too disruptive to fire the head coach when you don't even fucking know if your coordinators will be allowed to, to, to be uh, at the stadium next week. So they'll ride out the next three weeks with Nagy, and then they'll get a little slower start on getting that head coaching search. But do not be surprised if they announce uh, that Ryan Pace will soon be reporting to somebody else that they have brought in, and that announcement could come before the end of the season. Really or will could. somebody else be reporting to Ryan Pace? Um, that is another scenario that I've heard and one that I do not like. Yeah, neither do I. In fact, Perfect. I don't want Ryan Pace anywhere near the team. He's, he's had yeah. seven years. Thank you very much. You're a nice man. Uh, I know the McCaskey fan, uh, family loves you, but get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Please go. Please leave. I, <laughs> I, I uh, who you are. I would re-sign Alec Ogletree. I'm glad I thought you he played a really good game last night. Mm-hmm. You know, with Danny Trevathan, you know, injured and old. Uh, him next to Roquan Smith, I think, is a, a pretty good fit. I think you have to bring back Alec Ogletree because you don't have a, a lot of money to go find a stud uh, uh Cole inside linebacker for, for Roquan. He signed for, I think, about a million and a half this year. He'll probably sign for $2.2 million next season. Uh, it could be a, a, a one-year stopgap thing uh, uh, to have him play along Roquan. And and hopefully in 2023, you find somebody more permanent. But, uh, yeah, I, I, what do you think, Dan Aguirre? Bring back Ogotree for another season? Yeah, so far so good. I mean, if he would tear his Achilles or something, God forbid – then you'd be like, ooh, I don't know about that now. But if he gets through the next three games, mm-hmm. you know, uh, then, yeah, I would certainly consider that. I would try everything I could to find a way to get out of Trevathan's contract. Trevathan, yeah, let me look at that because uh, I've been meaning to look at what his deal looks like, and I keep forgetting to call it up. So Danny Trevathan contract, which was another stupid thing. I know that – uh, the other guy, uh, Nick Kwiatkowski. Yeah, I know that he hasn't been playing great for the uh, Raiders, but uh, and, and the reason they wanted Danny T over the other guy is because of Danny's leadership abilities in the locker room. But uh, man, it, it's just the cost of bringing Danny Trevathan back. He has one year left on that 2022 contract. And he would have a cap hit of six million dollars if you if you let him go. So uh, you almost have to bring him back and just let him run around and see if he can you know play one last season. Um, you know because nobody you're going to lose that six million dollars. You still got to pay it, so it, it's on the books. You, you almost need to bring him into camp. And if he can't play, if, if if some undrafted free agent is playing much better than him, then then you let him go and, and move on. I know that that brought everybody to silence. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Was, uh, would Dan want Vic Fangio as head coach if let go by Denver? It's a question for the chat room. Jay Rock has that question for you. I love that. Um, at this point, I would take anybody other than Matt Nagy or that little boy in Green Bay. Really? I hate that little kid in Green Bay that's their coach. 
Matt LaFleur, right? That's his name, I think. Matt LaFleur. Yeah, you know he's going to be like 3-37 and when Rodgers leaves. Oh, yeah. What about uh, Mike McCarthy, the former Packers coach? Would you take him? Uh, I don't like Mike McCarthy either, but he's doing well in Dallas. He's He's coaching the Cowboys, right? Yes. But Dallas could go to the Super Bowl. Um, Only because they're playing – in a conference and and especially in a division that sucks. I mean, Eagles, Giants, who else is in that division? It's like the football team, the Washington yeah, football team. Time. That's the best team in that division, and they don't even have a name. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but yeah, Mike. There are other uh, coaches that are worse. Than Why haven't they chosen a name? <laughs> just, it's just the stupidest thing. It aren't is. they aren't they staying with the football team? I don't think they've made that decision. I think it was one of four options they were looking at, but I haven't heard anything since, and that was months ago. So it's like nobody know. cares, you know, over there. Like, fuck it, we're a football team. Just, <laughs> we're the Washington football team that plays in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you guys? We're not be, even in Washington. Would you guys be upset if PETA started protesting at House Hall saying we shouldn't be named after the Bears because it's <laughs> dangerous for the bear population? <laughs> the WWF already made WWE become WWE. And I I mean the World Wildlife Federation. Oh yeah. What was that? Yeah, about? back in the day, like they were like saying the WWF World Wrestling Federation was hurting its brand because mm-hmm. they were, you know, used a lot of strong language and a lot of things that made wrestling great mm-hmm. before they were a publicly traded company uh, and just watered down shit now. But um, yeah, so they, they lost the lawsuit and the WWF, uh, the World Wildlife Federation, made the, the World Wrestling Federation change its name to WWE. I had heard something about that. Didn't know all the details. Kind of fucked up. Why, why can't people get along, Dan? I don't know. But the last thing before I go. You got to go? Yeah, I gotta oh, go. Right. I gotta go to. I, I work until four p.m. tomorrow, literally. Right. Uh, midnight to four at nine one one. So that's not fun at all. But oh, um, shit. I'll tell you how bad it was for me last night after the bear game. Mm-hmm. I watched three dreadful movies back to back to back. Really? One I had never seen. Well, two of them I had never seen. One of them I had seen like twenty eight years ago or something. But. Okay, the first one was an old Cusack movie that I'd never watched. Mm-hmm. Had a good cast, but boy, and it's, you know, it's one of these, uh, you know, a lot of people allegedly, it's like a cult following. Mm-hmm. But man, did it suck. It was called Better Off Dead. Oh, I forgot. 85. It. Yeah. Oh, it, was, it was so like shitty. It was $2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, $2. $2. Two dollars. What was the second one then? I followed that masterpiece up with a movie that I had seen in the late 80s and I, I will never watch again. The Blue Lagoon. Ah, oh, the original, the one right. done in the 50s was great, but the one you saw, yeah, sucks. And then to cap that whole shit night off between the Bears losing and Better Off Dead and the Blue Lagoon, I watched A Return to Blue Lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> Which had Mila Jovovich in the Brooke Shields character. Really? Yeah, very young young. Jovovich. And uh, man, she's so hot. But yeah, yeah, those movies weren't very good at all. Jay Rock says that it's a good movie, that he loves that movie. I think he's referring to the Blue Lagoon movie. Hmm. 
Ah. And uh, by the way, I, I am I have decided that I am not going to watch Willy Wonka. Fuck Willy yeah, Wonka. Yeah, Willy Wonka is horrible, I think. Uh, yeah, King Pookie Nation, Alvarez, and a bunch of other people have been shaming me that I've never seen it. And I, I have no in, didn't have any interest when I was a kid and have much less interest doing so now. Now, maybe one day I'll, I'll do a bunch of gummy bears and, and maybe it's on. And that, that yeah. seems to be the appropriate movie for you know, a bunch of gummy bears uh, kind of experience. But yeah, I have no, in I'm, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, Matt Nagy uh, wants you, Dan Aguirre, to uh, share your thoughts on the on the Bears hiring uh, Brian DeBall, the offensive coordinator of the uh, Buffalo Bills. Bulls. Yep. Uh, I don't, I mean, Buffalo's what, seven and six? Yeah, they've been fucking tanking lately. That's what I'm saying. It's not exactly like they've been, you know, they were expected to, after they beat Kansas City earlier this year, they were the front runners to win the AFC. Mm -hmm. And they may not even win the playoffs now. We're going to bring that guy yeah. in. Of course we will. Yeah, yeah I have no he's a hot name and, and the people making the decisions that the Bears don't know what they're looking at. Yep. And I, I damn sure don't want Eric Bieniemy. I don't want any more ties to Kansas City light at all. Let me ask you, uh, Aguirre, before you get out of here, what about a defensive coach? Would you be upset with a Todd Bowles or another defensive genius-type coach? Now, Todd Bowles, because of his Super Bowl plan, mm -hmm. deserves another chance as, as a head coach because it was so decisive and so destructive and ferocious, ferocious. It looked like kind of like Belichick when he was at the Giants when they beat Buffalo. Mm -hmm. You know, just the defensive strategy won the game. and. Uh, I would not be uh, upset over Todd Bowles or even Vic Fangio if they brought Vic back. Uh, I truly wouldn't. Um, I think I'd probably rather have Bowles just because, again, his Super Bowl win, uh, he deserves another chance. I have it on very good authority that Todd Bowles is already uh, planned out who his offensive and defensive coordinators would be in case he has an interview with an NFL team regarding a head coaching job. Because that's better not be Matt Nagy. They are friends. <laughs> they're like friends. They're, they're like really good friends. Yeah, but uh, trust me, <laughs> Matt Nagy is not be, no longer be in the final <laughs> of the Bears organization. The and anyway, he, we ain't fucking irony if you bring that loser yeah. along. So, you know, every guy who's, who thinks he's going to be a candidate for a head coaching job is, has already done this. They are already prepared to answer that question. Who would you bring in as the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator? They're already prepared. They've contacted the people that they like. They've gotten the okay to use their name and so forth. That's already done, and Todd Bowles has done it. And so it's going to be interesting because a lot of people, I think, at Hallis Hall are intrigued by, by Todd Bowles. So we'll see. I'm fine with Todd Bowles. Yeah, let's bring him on. Dan Aguirre, you're uh, going to go save some lives, right? Yeah, like I said, I got to work until four. Are uh, you late to, uh, late to leave here for your gig? Overtime. You guys were both talking at the same time, right. and both of you. Who wants to go? Uh, is Dan late for his job? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. John, you go first. I, I need Dan's help because I, I got a little lost in Yellow Jackets. I don't know what's going on. I think I have to go back a couple episodes. Dan, have you been watching Yellow Jackets? Yeah, I just got renewed for a season two, by the way. Really? 
I wish you could stay another half hour. I wanted to talk to you yeah. about that, Dexter, and a couple of other things. Station 11, have, have you heard uh, or seen that? No, but Station Sarah Mars just recommended it on the last stream team show. But yeah, I got to oh, watch that. Oh, my God. It's good, huh? Um, I ejaculate every 10 minutes to it, not because there's sexy women on it, but I really do believe this is art. Station 11 is yeah, she said it's awesome. artistic masterpiece. It's very difficult to follow along. You have to be patient with it. You have to struggle with it. If you're interested in the themes and the metaphors in it, then you're going to be rewarded. I have been after three episodes. I I went after I watched the three episodes, I went and watched all the extras available, did a bunch of reading on it. Station 11 is for people who love cinema and beautiful, beautiful movie making. That's the show for you. It is rich, 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 rich. What is it even on? It's HBO. on HBO. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I didn't. Even, I didn't know anything about it. It hasn't yeah, been yeah. getting a lot of press. It just came out like a week or two ago. Yeah, they dropped three episodes uh, on one First day, time. and now it's going to be weekly. Yes, that's right. Yep. Too. So, well, Dan, go watch I'll, that tonight while you're saving lives. You said it's called Station Eleven. Station, Station 11. Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Text me and, and let me know if you're watching it tonight. Text me and let me know your thoughts as you watch. I'll be starting it soon. Right. I think. Get out of here, Dan Aguirre. We love you. All right. Be well, gentlemen, and hopefully I can Bye, talk Danny. to you next week. What I was saying on in text, I'm worried that I think I have to run a basketball game next week. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to produce a game, so I'd have to start later. But hypothetically, if you wanted work later, I could probably take off from 911 and then not have time constraints. Yeah, I, I, I would love to do that. I just got to check my Wednesday schedule that I don't have to be up early Wednesday morning for, for some reason. So I will let you know that in the next 24 hours. I would love to have an all-nighter with you. You and me. Well, I'll, and if you can, then I'll try to take off. Like I said, it's not a done, like a guarantee, but it's fairly good chances if I try to take off now, someone will work that for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise, I may have to start at like 9 Central, 10 East mm -hmm. next week because of a basketball game. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I got to go. Like I said, I got to work until four. And uh, sorry that I missed the TV talk here. Yeah, we're sorry, too, because uh, uh, this is going to be the best part of the show. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just get out uh, of here. All what? right, fire Nagy. <laughs> there you go. Hashtag it. Yeah. Take care, brother. <laughs> I'm at the end of Dexter season one, and I did figure out who the ice truck killer was ahead of ah, time. Very good. good. Yeah. Yep, I knew uh, a little bit. I don't want to ruin. It. I'm not going to give away the spoiler, but but mm -hmm. uh, that and then you know I'm watching. You're not watching Yellow Jackets, right? Yes, I am. By the oh, way, you before, are. before we talk about Yellow Jackets, Stephen Mee's comment has been up on the screen here for a little while. All he right. says, "I love that movie so much. I visited the filming locations in Munich, Germany." Is he talking about Willy Wonka? They they filmed yes. that in Germany. Isn't that all like in some soundstage with fake props and flowers and shit like that? Some of it was the outdoor scenes for well, there's the, the opening scene is brilliant with uh, Gene Wilder coming out. There's all this like fanfare and he's coming out of the chocolate factory. I mean, Gene, Gene Wilder's performance is brilliant. It's like uh, it's almost scary at times or sinister, but it also has this, you know, uh, it's very nuanced as well. You know, it's mm -hmm. yeah, you have, you'll, you'll have to watch it, but it. it it is a classic. I mean, uh, do I, I don't really have need to watch it as a, as a as a cinema uh, enthusiast as I am? Do I really well, need to watch it? You have to yeah. consider it was made in the seventies, so uh, right, that's not know. a problem for me. I watch movies okay. from the thirties and forties, so I, that's not a, an issue for me. 
Uh, if that doesn't bother you, that uh, uh, the production values, you know, at the time it looked fantastic. You know, it holds up okay. I mean, like, n- no movie from the seventies holds up as well as Ridley Scott's oh, yeah, Alien. I, but I totally get that. I totally yeah. get. That. Uh, you know, I, I tell my wife numbers. You know, I tell I mean, my you know, wife like, that all the time because she expects the acting from a 1950s movie to be, you know, the the Nero acting of not. No, that was a different style of acting back then. But I, I apologize. Yeah. For so I, I think it came out in '72 or '73, somewhere around there. The uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I was five years old. It scared the crap out of me. Yeah, was, really? Yeah, I think I probably, I probably saw it when it came on the TV. Maybe when when I was six. So was- I, I have no I, I had no idea that Willy Wonka could potentially even had a, a sliver of sinisterism. Sinister. Yeah. it's sinister. awful what happens to the children who go into the factory. That you know, I don't want to give away anymore, but it, it was horrible for me as a kid. It's scarred. Are, you're talking about the umfas? No, they they work there, but the uh-huh. like. They go through the you know the tour and one by one, or they're almost killed off. You have to see it, although it's awesome. well. All right. Well, if, if there's killing involved, uh, that's one good thing. So that that will lean me towards watching it. Now, yeah. is there are there hot chicks? Um, uh, that doesn't sound good. No, there's no. I mean, that doesn't they, sound. They, they were uh, teenagers who eventually became hot. <laughs> No, I'm not into that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not into that. I mean, uh, it's got a lot of good British character actors, and Gene Wilder's freaking fantastic in it, you know. And uh, I, I forget the uh, uh, Jack Albert plays uh, the his grandfather, Charlie, the great Jack Albert, you know, a character actor uh, from uh, Ch- uh, Chico and the Man. Yes, isn't that Jack Is that, Albertson? Uh, Jack, no. Uh, God damn it! What's what was his freaking name? <laughs> We're gonna have to do a little Google search. I know, here, right, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, stay uh, tuned as we type in uh, what's the name of his movie? Willy Wonka, yeah, Willy Wonka cast, and all of a sudden, 1971. Get it came out in 1971. Jack Albertson. Yeah, Jack he Albertson. Jack he was Albert. in uh, Chico and the Man with Freddie Prince. Yeah. He plays uh, Charlie's grandpa. Ah, well, that's you know, one thing together to watch now. <laughs> he's, he's, great, uh, he's great in it, too. You know, it, it's good. I mean, it, that's not uh, a selling point. Jack Albertson's in the movie, although you should watch it. <laughs> I well, know. no, I, 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 he's been in other things besides Chico and the Man. But, uh, <laughs> I know that. I, I've seen him in plenty of movies, but. That's not a reason I'm going to watch Willy Wonka because of Jack Albertson. I was hoping that there would be, you know, naked Wumpas. Nope. <laughs> what no, are it is, it's, a, it's a kid's movie, but it's twisted. It's like... Uh, okay. that's, it, that sounds good. Tell me more. It's a kid's movie that scares kids into being good. You know? That's ah. the... It's like it's like uh, it's a it's a roll doll. It's based on the roll doll novel. Yeah, he was a know? sick dude. <laughs> it, it, quirky, very quirky, sinister yeah. children's stories. Yeah. Know, if you're, you know, uh, uh, not quite like, uh, uh, gosh, what was the Adams Family uh, writer's name? I, I can't remember. I don't. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Was that a famous person, the Adams Family writer? Yeah, I, I can't remember his name. I don't know that. Jesus. truth, nice says, just watch the fucking movie. I'll. <laughs> Yeah, I was t- trying to tell Dan I got a little lost. I have to. I got to go back like two episodes because I'm kind of lost as to what's going on with the fifty thousand bucks ransom. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Yeah. Who's the who's the mystery texter on the phone? Because I have no mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. You know, so I got to go back to a couple episodes. Yeah, I, I, I it definitely is uh, Yellow Jackets on HBO. It's definitely a series that you have to pay, pay close attention. Yeah. I, I, I frankly don't like the jumping back and forth between uh, times. It, it just seems like it's being so overused. And I got to tell you, my, my, my Station Eleven show uses it, and it uses it a lot. And so at yeah. first I struggled a little bit with it. But I started to get what they were doing. It makes sense. With Yellow Jackets, uh, I don't know, man. Um, some of the stuff that's happening with the characters nowadays, it, it it just feels like maybe it would have been better if it was told sequentially as opposed to the jumping back and forth in time. But it, the, the cast is... Uh, very intriguing. Those young girls stuck in that island. Yeah, very great. intriguing. I can't wait to find out what the fuck happens. Are they going to eat know. each other? Are they going to fucking butt fuck each other? What the hell is going to happen? Something sinister is going to happen. It's like, yeah, uh, and it's, it's getting to the point where, okay, I want to happen here. I don't want this to be another lost thing where I got to wait six seasons to find out it's all a fucking dream or whatever the fuck. Horrible. Yeah, <laughs> we're about to move the island, Aldo. that's good that's good uh it's like uh when you you told me last week that that was christina ricci i didn't have any idea the the misty misty is christina i was like oh my god i didn't recognize her she looks so different well that's another thing that works against the show you have the beautiful christina ricci looking like you know some strange uh, i don't want to be too critical uh, but sexy cat lady (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right? Bag lady, exactly. sexy bag lady, or cat lady. But yeah, I, I had a. Uh, go ahead. Uh, my my wife surprised me uh, over the weekend with tickets for Christmas at the governor's mansion here in Des Moines. So I got to they opened up the home, Terrace Hill. Nice. Uh, it's beautiful, eighteen sixty six. Uh, 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 you know, Italianate uh, Victorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, just beautiful woodwork, and you know, uh, uh, ceilings with you know. Uh, uh, the uh, t- tin relief and painted, uh, you know, beautiful painting painting on the ceiling, and uh, uh, you know, impressive st- main staircases you walk in with stained glass windows wow. and stuff. Awesome. Carolers, Christmas trees. Uh, the governor read a story to the kids. Mm-hmm. I got my picture taken with the governor. Who is you know, the governor of Iowa? Is uh, Kim Reynolds? She's sixty-two. Man, she's fine looking too for sixty-two. Although, yeah. Man. Yeah, she looked good. I mean, she was uh, she's fit and thin and uh, kind of pretty. She's attractive. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, uh, she uh, she and her, her husband were there, and you know, uh, I wore my suit. You know, got nice. in my suit. I went in there and I told the governor that my family and I were super happy here. The state so well run. And it's beautiful. The state parks. There's no litter. You know, and it's like no tollways and no traffic. It's just great. Yeah. So she was All like, right. oh, she thanked me and she patted me. She patted you. (laughs) She did. She was like, thank you so much. You know, Merry Christmas. One minute with the governor of Iowa. That's pretty cool, man. Um, (laughs) Who was it uh, here in the chat room that, oh, uh, King Pookie Nation Alvarez asked, did you see Larry David? What do you think, dude? Did you see it? And what are your thoughts? I I don't watch that show because it makes me way too fucking nervous. (laughs) It's like, it's the same thing as with Michael, uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Scott and, you know, uh, uh, those those people they're so neurotic they make me oh it's like, god damn it I, I can't yeah. watch it because they, they get into these situations that are so uncomfortable 
you know, but I know I would love the show, but I just, yeah, I, that's my problem with the show. It's that it's the same fucking shit. Every episode, <laughs> Larry's going to say or do something yep. really stupid. It's going to get him into yep. a lot of trouble. And it's, it's a, basically it's the, it's that fucking circle that you did for bears fans. It's, it's that same thing, yep. but it's in a TV show comedy <laughs> format. And so that get to me, that gets tiring. But having said that, there are some times where I have watched episodes where I have laughed for 30, 60 seconds, maybe longer, because some of the gags are fucking hilarious. The last episode, um, he uh, Tracy Ullman, the great comedian Tracy oh, Ullman, who, who, who we rarely see often enough, you know, uh, often. She is playing a, a congresswoman that Larry David is trying to sexually please and 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 uh, 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 make and make happy because he wants her to change some legislation so he doesn't have to have a fence around his swimming pool. So he's been having sex with her, but it, but she plays her character as if uh, like a uh, a woman who is not very attractive who is, you know, is always like picking at her teeth because she's got meat stuck in there after dinner, <laughs> you know, just a, a, kind of a repulsive person. And so he he finally comes, uh, uh, asked the question, can you, you know, make this legislative change for me? And she goes, yes, but I would like something from you. And what she wants is vaginal rejuvenation. She wants <laughs> her vagina lips uh, tightened up and uh, things tucked up and so forth. And that Who whole gag. I'm sorry? Who doesn't want that? Yeah, right. Exactly. That whole gag was fucking hilarious. <laughs> I was laughing so much. Um, but Overall, the, the show gets a little tiring because it's the same kind of sketch and stuff. Uh, Matthew Focisi is absolutely correct. It's a much, much, much raunchier version than Seinfeld. It is yeah, basically yeah. Seinfeld without the Seinfeld characters, but that same feel, but with an R-rated uh, edge to it. Right, so right. from Larry, that standpoint, it's cool. Larry was the inspiration for uh, Jason Alexander's character on the original. Exactly. <laughs> I would have loved to have been in on meetings when they were talking about the character and to develop the character and it finally hit Jason. Yeah, I'm, I'm blaming so you. Brilliant too, Jason Alexander in that show. Wow. It's brilliant. In, entirely. You know, uh, Tracy Ullman in, in one, uh, if you haven't seen it, there's a movie called I Love You to Death mm -hmm. with Tracy Ullman and Kevin Klein. Yeah. Do, do yeah. you know what I'm talking about? The movie? I know the movie. I don't, rec I don't think so I've seen it fucking hilarious dude it's like okay so tracy ullman is married to kevin klein mm -hmm. and he's uh he owns a pizza uh parlor mm -hmm. and he's a workaholic but he's also uh you know a womanizer you know philanderer and uh you know she she of course you know loves him and you know uh and so uh she's upset you know he's like staying out all this time he, he's a non-stop like Worker, partier, stays up all night and goes to work and barely sleeps. He's just one of these energetic guys and stuff. And he's, you know, he's got women on the side and stuff. And she uh, mm -hmm. decides that she wants to kill him. You know, she hires, uh, she's so hurt. You know, her and her mother, I forget, the mother's played by, uh, uh, God, what's her name? Not Angelica Houston, but uh, goodness gracious. Uh, Houston. Yeah, it's it's uh, 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 Coppola. No, uh, no, Scorsese's mom or no Coppola's mom, one of one of those uh, 
uh, women. She's, uh, you know, and, and Tracy Ullman and her mom, you know, her mom is always like, you got to, you know, take care of him and stuff, you know. So they hire these uh, druggies to to kill uh, Kevin Klein. The, the two uh, spaced out weirdos are William Hurt and Keanu Reeves. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they bungle it. Of course, I don't want to give away anymore, but it's really Olympia Dukakis. That's it. Yep. Olympia Dukakis. Okay. Yeah. Plays yeah. the mom. Of, it's got uh, quite the cast. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at IMDb now. Kevin Klein. It's hilarious. It's mm -hmm. one you could watch a couple times. You know, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't get tired. You, you would watch it again, you know, because it is so funny. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to say anymore. I don't want to give it away. But sure. I'll uh, definitely but, uh, put that on the list. I got one for you. Tracy Ullman, I thought of that, you know. Yeah. I got one for you. Um, let's see, where's my little book? Um, fuck. Left up sis. Anyway, I, I just happened to run into this documentary. I was in the mood uh, to watch documentaries, and, and um, I think it was on Hulu, where uh, I ran into the documentary called Batman and Bill. You ever heard mm -hmm. of it? No. Let me make sure I got the right title. Batman and Bill, yes. All right. So we all know that the Bob Kane is the creator of Batman, right? You know that. You're a Batman fan. Yep. So apparently there's more to the story than that. Um, <laughs> Bob Kane had the idea for the Batman character, and he went to see his comic book publisher because he was already in the comic book uh, business. And he pitched the idea. And the publisher said, you know what? I think you got a good idea here, but it needs some work. You know, the guy doesn't look like Batman. The storylines are not fleshed out. Why don't you uh, work on this and then come back and, and pitch it to me again? So Bob Kane called his good friend, Bill Finger. Bill Finger was an artist, uh, collaborator, comic book maker, artist, just a, a very talented guy, but didn't have the outgoing personality of Bob Kane. And so they, the two of them, sat down and started to collaborate, and they came up with the iconic Batman uh, cape. You know, the, the first drawings that Bob Kane had, the, the, the outfit was red, yeah. red and yellow. And so Bill Finger came up with the idea that it should be drawn, he should have, you know, the bat ears, and it should be blue and gray. Yeah, and so forth. Came up with the whole concept for Batman, and also came up with a lot of the characters, the Riddler, the Joker, and so forth. So Bill Finger had arguably a larger role in creating Batman than no Bob Kane and got absolutely no credit. He never complained about it because Bob Kane would pay him for these ideas. It wasn't like he was just offering these ideas and it wasn't being paid. Kane was starting to publish the uh, comic books and Finger wrote some of the stories, came up with some of the artwork and ideas and so forth. He was never credited in the in in the comic books, but he was a driving force. And Incredible. Bob Kane never, never fucking gave him credit until his dying days, one of his last interviews, he said, Yeah, there was a guy named Bill Finger, you know, who really deserves a lot of credit. I did a bad job of not giving him enough credit. You know, I've always thought about that. Maybe I should have given him more credit, but he had a lot to do oh, with <laughs> So the documentary, and I'm not, I'm, I'm really not giving much away because this is like one third of the story. It, it, it focuses on the guy who is trying to get Bill Finger his just due, and he's written a book about it. And it's a fascinating, very well told, tell, told story. 2017 documentary. Batman and Bill, you can find it on Hulu. I, I, I truly, truly recommend it. 
I've been corrected by uh, Stephen Mee. Uh-huh. Uh, the mother of Tracy Ullman, the movie, was Joan Plowright. Ah, yes. And the uh, River Phoenix is also in this movie. Speaking yes. of good cast, he plays that. the pizza delivery boy, you know, mm-hmm. who works at the at the parlor, and he's in love with Tracy Ullman. Mm-hmm. So there's that side story, you know, and, and he's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, why do you stay with him? He's always cheating on you and stuff, you know, and the mom too, you know, and mm-hmm. Kevin Klein is the philandering husband. Mm-hmm. So they, the three of them, the mom and Tracy Ullman and River Phoenix, they hire, you know, Bill, uh, Bill Hurt and, and Keanu mm-hmm. Reeves to kill Kevin Klein. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> you have to see it, but it's I, I called I Love I, You to Death. But yeah, Joan Plowright is awesome. She, they're like they're not Italian. The uh, uh, he was Italian on the pizza or Italian restaurant, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Joan Plowright he 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 was uh, he never married an Italian, and that was something like in his family or whatever that he didn't marry an Italian girl. You know, mm-hmm. he married Tracy Ullman, and she was like uh, Romanian or something. So Tracy Ullman, they're kind of, you know, like, I don't want to say gypsy because it's a derogatory term, but mm-hmm. they're kind of, you know, that kind of uh, 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 background, I guess. They're kind of that kind of background. So there's, they're, uh, <laughs> let's take care of this this guy, you know. But it's great, man. I don't want to tell you anymore, but yeah. She... I'll, I'll definitely be on the lookout for it. I think uh, Matthew says that it's on Amazon Prime, so we'll we'll look for it on Amazon Prime. Um, anything else you want to cover before we pull the plug on this episode? Uh, I don't think so. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, though. I don't, yeah, you got uh, a gambling tip for us? I mean, come on, man. Oh, Give boy. me a winner. I'm uh, losing that 300 bucks in that Bears game. Yeah, I... Uh... <laughs> I did okay today. Uh, I mean, I I did a six point teaser with the Eagles and Rams and won that. That was probably the best way you could play. I mean, I, with COVID, it's so hard with the NFL. You know, uh, I mean, I, I, like I said, with the fo- Washington football team, you didn't know who was playing quarterback. You know, that's right. I mean, you needed to jump on the Eagles. I mean, they covered still. I mean, what was the final score? It was uh, they covered that. The line was nine and a half, got all the way up to nine and a half. They won by 10. Amazing. So, uh, uh, but, you know, this morning that line, the Eagles minus six and a half, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it was like uh, the Merry Christmas to everybody. Too. Uh, you know, I, I see some games coming up. It'd be was this week 16 now. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. You got uh, the 49ers going to Tennessee. You got a uh, uh, man. I would. Green Bay minus seven. That seems like easy money for at hosting Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, they had a hard time covering. I might do, uh, oh man, Indianapolis at Arizona getting one point. I'd think about teasing the Packers and the Colts. Just 100 bucks right there. Bam. You know, you, get, pack, you get Packers minus one versus the Browns, and you get Indianapolis plus five at Arizona. Indianapolis is playing pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they all uh, always fade Matt, Mike Glennon. Like you said, Jake Fromm might be playing. So it's like, uh, yeah, that's the that scuttlebutt that they're trying to decide uh, on who's yeah. going to quarterback. Glennon did not <laughs> endear himself to the Giants last week. Jake Fromm, yeah. All right, Tooch. Well, yep. thanks very much. Tell people where they can catch your show. Yep. Uh, let's see. We uh, we're. We usually take Tuesday and Wednesday off, and then Anthony and and uh, some of the other gang at the the little group. Uh, I, you'll see if you follow me on Twitter, 
at John Santucci VIP. There's a group of us. We uh we all give away a free play a day and retweet each other. And I have got like 2,100 followers now. Just nice. You know. And then if you retweet me and follow you, uh, I'll send you one free play. Mm -hmm. uh, today it didn't win though, so sorry about that. Last night's one. I should have given away. I thought about different play, but it's hard because I, you know, the people that subscribe to my picks, you know, I I give anywhere from five to ten picks a day, depending, you know. And uh, had one five and zero oh day weekly, and it was like plus twelve units. So if your if your unit was a hundred bucks, man, you made twelve hundred bucks that day. Nice. So uh, uh, that was a, that was a good one. A bit of a bit above five hundred since that five and oh day mm -hmm. uh 500 or above uh and then uh you know some of the other gang anthony and i have uh, uh come by and we we uh talk about the games and uh, we had sean higgs who's really good handicapper he gave out the last thursday night football he gave out uh, the rams and the over and and anthony and i were like man i really like the cardinals smack the rams came out and you know, Cardinals just slumping. So and he had the over too. You know, so they really missed DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, um, yep. The the ESPN or NFL Network, one of those two stations, ran a feature on the mistakes that um, uh, what's his name, the veteran. Murray? Oh, uh, right. No, the veteran wide receiver that has been playing more now because of Hopkins' injury. AJ Green. AJ Green. Yeah, just how uh, not on the same page those two guys are, that it is like really wrecking havoc on that team's offense. So uh, AJ yeah. Green is like, doesn't know, you know, it's like he's a veteran guy who showed up on this team and is kind of resting on his laurels. He thinks that he can just run around out there and do whatever yeah, he yeah. wants and throw it up to me. Him. Yeah, exactly. That, and it doesn't work that way. I mean, he, yeah, he, yeah. last week there was a check at the line and, 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 he didn't get it. AJ didn't get it, and and Kyler Murray ends up throwing an interception in the end zone because AJ Green, you know, looked like a fucking idiot out there. So, anyways, and Stephen Me says the Lions in a Bucks games killed them. I know <laughs> I, I, that Bucks game was weird. Nine to nothing. That was the first time Tom Brady's been shut out in like 265 games. Well, it, you know, it's but, and again, it says a lot that it takes 11 guys. So when Leonard Fournette yeah. goes down. Yep. When Mike Evans Mike leaves the game with an injury, Godwin. and Godwin leaves, I mean, those are your, those are not only three of your best weapons on that team; those are three of the best weapons in the NFL. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so it's not like you know Brady is a fucking miracle man. He can't win with nothing. He, you know that's that's a fact. So yeah. Anyway, um, let's get that's out my of here play though. Green Green Bay and Indianapolis six point teaser, one hundred bucks. Nice. That should be a guarantee. It's uh, it's probably minus one ten, minus one twenty. Mm -hmm. So uh, you probably get a nice uh, payback on that one. You know? All right. Make sure you follow John Santucci VIP. That's the the Twitter yep. handle at John Santucci VIP. My name is Aldo Gandhi. You can follow me at Barroom Network. I will be back here tomorrow with John Buffon at seven p.m. We're going to preview that upcoming Bears game, and Alyssa Barbieri will be on hand. So that's at seven p.m. Central tomorrow. Before that, if you're a hockey fan, make sure you check out Bar Down with the Parisi brothers and their cousin, his their cousin um frankie yeah uh, that's that's a great uh show for any hockey fan but you really don't even need to be a hockey fan just to enjoy the banter between these guys they're very very entertaining very knowledgeable yeah. so 
looking forward to that. I'm not even sure they're playing hockey now. They they were funny when they were kids, the Parisi brothers. Right. I I keep forgetting to mention (laughs) that. Park uh, Little League. I keep forgetting to mention that that, uh, uh, to to them that uh, you, you were coaching them, right? They were one year. They were like a year older and maybe a year or two older than my son. Wow, so I never got old. to. I never got to coach on them. They had already like moved up with the levels, you know, of uh, mm-hmm. little league. But uh, yeah, he. Uh, uh, they were entertaining. I'm at because of course I would, you know, I'd either be hanging around as a, you know, I was on the board of directors of the little league, so I hang around to go take in the big kids game with my son, you know, and watch. Uh, one of one of them was a big hitter. I don't know what, whether it was Vinny or Joey, that mm-hmm. would knock him out of the park, you know. Baseball, right. I'll, ask, hitter. I'll ask him that, and they'll they will get into a five minute debate as to who it yeah, was, which one it was. Yeah, yeah, one of them, they'll say it was me, not him. Each one, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah they're, they're big guys, you know. Yeah, they are. Uh, I try guys. to pop in tomorrow to uh, in the chat room for a couple of minutes so that way I can ask him that question while you're yeah, there. I've got uh, EW uh, working on it, it's releasing on what Thursday because we got a shortened week. Mm-hmm. It's Ben Affleck on the cover, it's a February issue. Uh, it's all it's the cover stories, Ben Affleck, and then all the Oscar contenders. From what, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm I don't to know if I'll be here. able to drop in. Oh, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> I'll try. Uh, what, what time is it again? 2 p.m. Central, bar okay. down hockey and Buffalo 55 yeah. at 7 p.m. Uh, so the best way to stay on top of everything is to yep. subscribe to our YouTube channel and or our audio podcast, which you can find on iTunes. Uh, Podbean, you name it, Spotify, you name it, we're there. It's the Barroom Network. Thank you, Johnny Santucci. You well, are the best. Hopefully, awesome. Dan Aguirre has an easy night off and he can catch up on his Yellow Jackets and all the other great shows we've been recommending to him. Yep. And a thank you all to the, everyone that joined us live. Uh, interacting with you has been great. And for the hundreds or thousands of others that catch us on demand, Thank you all very much. Please have a very Merry Christmas, Tooch. You and your lovely family yep. have a very safe you too, and Aldo. happy holiday. Really appreciate everything that you do for us and have done for us over the years. Uh, my best coming up on five years, our friendship, Aldo. Oh, you March, know what that means. March of 2022. You know what that means, right? What, Party? What, what? No, you're going to have to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> What is what is the five year anniversary? Is it Tim Wood? I think it's oral sex, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we we we, uh, we have something to look forward to, my friend. <laughs> All right, everybody, take care. Uh, this is my room network saying goodbye. <laughs>